Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who's always at my side, Josue. Hey, and what a roller coaster of comics this week. Jesus Christ, I can't wait to fucking share. Yeah, it's crazy that like how this happened right at the end of the year. Just Some of this shit mm-hmm. just dropped on us right before yeah. the holidays, which is very fun. So, um, Thank you for joining us on this episode, because this is going to be going out on Christmas Eve morning, so I totally understand if you guys aren't listening to this right away. <laughs> uh, but please listen to it. Well, if you're listening to me say this, you're already listening to it. That's a pointless conversation. Moving on. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the comics. Uh, we got some good stuff here, but as always, we talk about the news first. Um, I got a couple things here. It's actually indie heavy, so I'm going to start with Marvel. Um, the first thing is uh, Emma Frost looks like she's going to be joining the cast of I- Invincible Iron Man. Right. Uh, so I got an article here if you want to see it. But basically, it's her just trying to like help you know, Tony out of the rock bottom that he's in, which, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But also, I distinctly remember the... Um, the last time that I remember them talking, not not the one at the Hellfire Gala, but their last major conversation was when she was basically like, hey, remember when all those mutants died and you all didn't give a fucking shit and then you want us to help you out? Like, uh, their relationship is yep. very strange to me. So, oh, yeah, she's not afraid to hold back, especially against him. And then when he's like, maybe we should, wasn't him that said, like, maybe you should tell Scott, like, what happened between us and she's like i don't hold secrets from scott or something like that. oh yeah and it was like, a, like a, one of them at least was like during a civil war like that conversation he's like no, yeah i guess you fuck off with your shit yeah she's like fuck you <laughs> like with your attempt to slut shame me fuck off <laughs> the idea of, of iron man slut shaming anybody's hilarious uh yep. so there's that one next up so marvel has the uh rights to planet of the apes to make comics Mm-hmm. And they're making a new series that's going to start in April of next year. And they've announced David F. Walker and Dave Walker are going to be the creator team. <laughs> no shit. Okay. I I like it. I'll read this. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't on my radar at all. <laughs> right. So, so when I was like, wait, Planet of the Apes comic book. David F. Walker, I'm like my brain was trying to comprehend all that at once, and I was like, no, it just rejected it. So. I was wondering where there was where this was going because I've been looking at a few FOCs, or when Nick is putting in the FOCs at work, um, and when I when I'm there that day, I was like, yo, which variant do you want? So I get to actually pick some of them. There's mm-hmm. a really really dope one uh, for Scarlet Witch two, and it's the the Planet of the Apes one, and it's like her just like barbarian style, like like charging into just like a mass of gorillas, and it's like they look it looks fucking awesome. Um, and and um, that got me interested Um, so now there's a whole fucking story to it yeah that's great All right. uh, honestly there's only one thing I have left of Marvel we talked I think last week or maybe the week before about um, the next Spider Gwen series the Shadow Clones where it's going to be her as the spider villains instead of the other heroes oh yeah well Pichamoko has done concept art for all five of them now so of course we're going to talk about it um, I actually love the Vulture one, which I don't remember seeing last time. Like, the Vulture one's that, cute. I, wonder, yeah. like, I love the... No, the Craven and the Rhino one were my favorites. I still love the Rhino one. She's so like stocky and bulky. I love it. Like her arms and legs. Mm-hmm. The Craven one, of course, obviously looks great. Um, the Sandman one, I really like. I really like her in the Marco outfit. She looks awesome yeah. in it. Yeah, and then of course, 
Octavius is always a good look. So, but yeah, I, I just had to point that out because again, we love Peach Momoko on this show. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on to DC. We got some weird things here. Uh, first of all, we got a new costume for Power Girl that Marguerite Savage has, has designed. Uh, I love Marguerite's design work. Uh, she worked on Supergirl and made it look really great. Um, so you can see a couple shots there, but if you want to oh, scroll, yes, it is scroll down, you can see mm-hmm. the tweet. Yeah. Um, and it very much gives her the Superman symbol on her back, very much clarifying she is a part of the super family. Nice. So that's interesting. She's also going to be the backup stories in action comics going forward. Oh, interesting. So I like that. It's kind of like what you were talking about. The backup stories for Wonder Woman should be Nubia or yes. Yara Floor and stuff. That makes sense. So this makes sense. Yeah. Maybe that's a good sign. So uh, next up, uh, we're going to talk about this a bit later, but um, Dark Crisis is over. And uh, it was the best ending of a DC crossover this week, is what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is actually saying something, but <laughs> uh, I actually enjoyed part of it. It's it's pretty good. But anyways, um, you didn't read Dark Crisis. No, I read issue. I read Dark Crisis two, and that's it. <laughs> so the official, like the big news coming out of it is the Justice League has disbanded. Okay. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. If there's going to be a new Justice League. And uh, I'll talk about more about like what that actually means later. Okay. Along with that, DC has confirmed that the multiverse is here to stay. <laughs> okay. So, the, I mean, until the next crisis, of course. But, <laughs> but there's no more crisis. This is the last one. No, it's not final crisis. It's dark crisis. Next is going to be light crisis. And then, like, caramel crisis or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cookies and cream crisis. There you go. Um, they're just going to start giving them numbers, like crisis 47. Uh, so, anyways, um, yeah. So, the DC multiverse is, quote, once again, infinite. Cool. It okay. took us like 30 years to get back around to this, but all right, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, and then my last bit of DC news Green Arrow is getting a new series next year from Josh Williamson and Shauna Zoxi. Mm-hmm. I love that, that creative team. That's an amazing idea. However, Green Arrow died <laughs> in Dark Crisis. Uh, He's like the only person who actually died or that's right. didn't, didn't make it back. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe someone else is going to take the mantle? Uh, no, it's Ollie. There's, the art is very much Ollie. <laughs> so, we'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. So we'll see. Uh, but and then the independent stuff. I love some of these. So I wanted to save it for last. First of all, <laughs> a court has determined that AI generated art might not be trademarkable. And so therefore, the people who made it potentially can't own it. Because they didn't actually create it. The machine did. So <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my god. I was literally just laughing because um it's been a long time since, since I, I I've seen um the original Wheelie Walk on the Chocolate Factory movie and such so a put it on for like the guinea pigs. And I start laughing as like because I'm laughing at all the amazing bits that are kind of dark whenever he's trying to find the golden tickets, and I'm like, yes. oh my god, holy shit. This one asshole literally invents AI and then literally tells him no to fuck off because it's cheating. <laughs> and it's literally this. Exactly, yeah. Along with that, Kickstarter has banned every project involving AI-generated art. Oh, and, shit. 
and me and Kickstarter have um have a complicated relationship. <laughs> but fuck yeah, Kickstarter, good job. <laughs> like, yeah, you did one right. So just stop selling NFTs and or stop investing in NFTs and we'll be fine. So all right, uh, next one, Motley Crew. Yes, Motley Crew is the latest band to get a new comic book based on them but this one's kind of an interesting idea it's coming from z2 not opus like most of the others and this is actually a graphic novel adaptation of their um i believe it's their their autobiography the dirt oh yeah yeah. so it's going to be their actual story this is actually out already it came out on the 20th i I was gonna say i think i just saw it at the store (laughs) yeah uh and so it is out but cbr has an exclusive preview up if you guys want to check it out uh, I think I think yeah, cool idea. I'm not a huge crew fan or anything like that, but yeah, it's fun. You know what I mean. So uh, next up, uh, remember the Gargoyles variant cover countdown for two months? Well, it's time for Darkwing Duck. <laughs> Here's a variant oh, cover. Oh, hell Darkwing yeah! Duck. Um, again, uh, they're kind of like some of the similar ideas. Uh, the first one is kind of like an homage cover from the to the beginning. Um, the second one is the action figure cover, which I always like those. Oh yeah, those are cool. Uh, I like the third one probably the best. I like the third one. Yeah, it's it's fun and goofy. And then of course the third one or the fourth <gasps> one. Yeah. Um Well Yeah. The one in fit the incentive probably. Jesus that's so good. That is Yeah, that is George Compadeus. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Like, so that one is going to be hard to find. So, but yeah, I, I mean, Darkwing Duck, I love Darkwing Duck way more than Gargoyles. So, and I'm already mm-hmm. addicted to Gargoyles again. So, we'll see. <laughs> next up, uh, who do you think is Kevin Eastman's favorite Ninja Turtle? Oh, shit. That's a good one. Um, I'll go with Donnie. Not because he's not mine, but I want to say it's Donnie because I just want to get, I want, I want to give Donnie some love. Yeah. Someone asked Kevin Eastman. He said, it's a tough question to answer. As a co-parent, I feel that all my children, it's hard to pick a favorite. And he was just like, you know, basically completely pounding off the, the question. <laughs> and then he says, when fans press me to pick only one, I break it down to the firstborn Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, which is the first one he created, Michelangelo. Oh, no shit. Even before he's officially named Mikey. It's the very first drawing of a turtle with a mask on and nunchuck strapped to his forearms. Oh, I get the fuck out. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> like drawing turtle, a ninja turtle with the fucking nunchucks before yeah. it's uh, before it's conceived. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a fun little thing. So next up, uh, I don't know if you saw this. If you didn't, you should watch it when you get a chance. Uh, do you see the unearthed video of Gerard Way? The which one? From- the of Gerard Way from Michael Gormance. Right, right. There is a video uh, of him at 16 years old on Sally Jesse Raphael, which is an old talk show for those of you who are babies, mm-hmm. um, where she did an episode about how comics are ruining the youth of America or something like that. Ooh. And he's in the audience as a 16 year old no and shit. defends comics. Get the fuck out. Oh, I know. And he's got this, he's got this chubby little face. <laughs> like this, this is a dude I would have been friends with forever in high school. Like I'll show, I'll send you the link. So yeah, David. But if you scroll down, the there's a Reddit post with the video. It plays without audio, so you can see what he looks like. He's oh, cool. adorable. I would be his friend forever. Oh, I, I see him pass by. Oh my gosh, yes. 
So, Trardway, we stand. <laughs> yes. Ninety three. Oh my god! So she's gonna fucking die specifically because, like, I mean, she's she's from uh, ninety three. So anything up from that year, she's obsessed with, and she already yeah. fucking loves Gerard. So, oh, it's gonna kill his chubby face, his little like fucking flannel and everything. Like, oh, <laughs> <It's> adorable. <laughs> uh, next up, I was gonna ask you because I wasn't sure. Did you ever read Indigo Children from Image? Uh no. Okay, so it's it's a Tyler Boss book. Okay. Um, and it was really, really well done. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, sorry. It was written by Kurt Byers. The cover was by Tyler Boss. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Kurt Byers uh, with some Rockwell White writing in there as well. Uh, Diodo doing the illustration. Colors by D. Cunniff. And it's very much something I think you would really enjoy. Yeah. And it's getting an adaptation into film. Mm. And because image are brilliant with this stuff they're re-releasing number one with a variant cover by tyler boss is why I got oh nice so if you want to check that out i just sent you the link uh, i think it's that first cover of the two so um but yeah i've heard really good things about this book i've never actually read it myself either oh yeah um and it's definitely something that i want to pick up now yeah for sure uh, yeah so uh we'll see uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about the movie and uh does they buy yeah. it through who? By who? I was actually just quickly reading through it. Uh, I don't think so. I'm trying to find when it this just comic says that uh, Jeff Ludwig, who is currently attached as a producer, will lead the project cinematic version. Uh, oh, cool. But he's a producer of video games, typically. Oh, um, nice. So That's Alan it. Wake and Sifu. Um, also, um, Stranger Things and Steven Spielberg are cited as influences on the series. Ooh. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, pretty cool. And then we're closing with the big news of the week, which uh, is very interesting. Aftershock Comics has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Now, Ooh. we've been hearing uh, on Twitter about combo creators being stiffed by Aftershock Comics not getting paid. Uh huh. And there's been a lot of discourse about that. And I mean, yeah, don't. Hire somebody to do a job if you can't pay them to do the job. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. But I also don't believe in credit cards. So, I mean, just, you know, it is what it is. But Aftershock has declared bankruptcy in a way that allow them to keep doing business. That's what Chapter 11 is. It's There's two different kinds of bankruptcy. One, you go out of business. Mm-hmm. This one is, we want to keep doing business, but we're bankrupt. Um, hmm. It's interesting because there's a lot of comic book companies that have declared bankruptcy and didn't make it out the other end. Yeah. So I'm kind of worried about Aftershock because they do make books we really like. Don't get right. me wrong. That's one of the things that made the fact they're not paying anybody really suck because mm-hmm. we're like, we love these books. Like, please keep making them. Plus, you know, boom, Aftershock. It was very natural for me. Uh, so, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I hope everybody gets paid appropriately, all the creators and stuff, and they're able to pull out of it. But the priority is to make sure the creators get paid because people should be paid for their work. At least. Um, come on, for starters, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think it's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen to some of the Aftershock books. Right. Uh, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, it comes to where it's like, the, uh, I'm, we're hoping books can still, like, flourish somewhere else if they're thinking about out because there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. And I saw a thing about it online. I can't remember who it was, but someone basically said this might be the start of something 
in the comic industry because there's so many publishers now. Yeah. And Aftershock is a pretty good size one. It's not like one of the tiny ones, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they I mean, I mean we, we we read comics and talk comics, but at the same time, at, at the very same uh, same time, we're also like studying comics while while going through while we've been going through this process. So it's like, yeah, we've been seeing like this like us like up and rise of certain publishers like aftershocks. So it's like we do get a scope of like the size of like where they're coming from. And it's like that's just, that just sucks. Yeah, because for a long time there was Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. and then like Image and Archie, yeah. pretty much, and then now they've all been pushed up a level like and now there's image and then underneath it are stuff like boom and dark aftershock horse. and dark horse and idw those are like the next tier to me like as far as like volume goes mm-hmm. and then we have this whole new tier of like indies like yeah vault and like um i'm trying a blaze and black oh, mask yeah. and opus Mist, right like, yeah there's all kinds of stuff down there there's so many yeah, and we know. Well, you you have an idea of how much money I spend on comics, and mm-hmm. I do that because again, we run a podcast. Of, Scout Source Point. Yeah, there's just so much. I can't see all these companies succeeding long term because there's not that much money in the comic book industry as far as fans go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very curious. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and list the ones I'm worried about, but you guys can probably guess. Like I'm not worried about Vault, for instance. I think I think they got a pretty good. They've been setup, making some you know solid I mean? moves, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, that's that's kind of a scary thing. Even though Aftershock really kind of dug their own grave, I don't want it to be a sign of the future. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. So, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, unless you had any news you wanted to bring up. No, no. Cool. I didn't miss anything. All right. Well then. We're going to start talking about some comic books that we got this week. And as always, we start not with a bang, but a boom, boom studios. I'm going to start with stuff of nightmares. Number four, this nice. is that R.L. Stein book. Oh yes. Uh, this is the finale. Uh, so the trade oh, okay. should be out soon. Created and written by R.L. Stein art or illustrated by A.L. Kaplan, Claire by Gonzalo Lopez and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, it does wrap up the story of the two brothers who basically are like combined to be Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, not the monster. And um, it's good. It's really good. It's dark. It's it's very interesting because you, you, if you're a kid who was raised on R.L. Stein, there's a spookiness to R.L. Stein. But it's never really grim. You know what I mean? Right. It's very rarely grim. This is grim as fuck. That's cool. So That's cool. it was kind of cool to see R.L. Stein like do something really grim. And also introduce this almost Crypt Keeper-like character. Okay. Who's really creepy and might okay. tell future stories. So I liked it. I'm not a horror guy, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was really good. And it's very much a Frankenstein story. So if that's what you're looking for, it's a good good thing you know to have. That's so. when the trade comes out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but moving on from that, let's talk about our next book. Something is killing the children. Number 27. Yes. Have to show it off just one more time. Yes. I know you got a cool variant cover. Shiny, shiny, shiny. (laughs) That's going in a bag and never coming back out again. (laughs) Uh, written by James Stein in the fourth illustrated by Werther de la Dera, colored by Mikel Muerto and letter by Anne world design. (sighs) I I like this issue. We get some more backstory. Yes. About, about why why these characters are like are attached in the way that they are um and i really liked it i i, I like hearing um 
I like hearing this like backstory of she loses the you know what's probably the love of her life and it's kind of like a hey whatever you do make sure to take care of her you know yeah and that i always that's such a weird like you know promise you know it's really it's really very sad and it's the kind of thing that people it haunt people for a long time but it's also a really good story arc which i really like mm-hmm. and it shows how she could dedicate to this girl who's kind of a little shit to be frank yeah <laughs> so um yeah it's really cool also i'm gonna point this out in this issue because it's it's been worther the entire time drawing so this isn't an art change or anything like that but erica is looking significantly older yes the definitely this arc has definitely picked up on the time like look at look at that like, yes it was, I was there's so much so many of my favorite shots of hers are from this issue like based on like her physique and how dope she looks and yeah, yeah she's definitely like aging up yeah it's really cool um, but yeah, basically she's, she's still trying to help them while trying to avoid cutter. And then we get the appearance of the monster and the monster does the thing. <sighs> the monster and thing. that's, that design is very interesting. <laughs> is what I'll say. Really cool. I'm loving this book. I'm absolutely terrified. This is ending at 30. I'll just tell you that right now. I know. I mean, cause I've already had like once in future, once in features is like, please don't make 30 the, the, the number, but it is a, a well-rounded number uh, for a comic yeah. finale, but damn it, I just don't want to see it go go too soon. <laughs> yeah, really great. Anything you want to add about it? Um, yeah, no, like just like the this book had one of my first favorite highs of like my reads uh, for this week, and it was definitely the the conversation in the, in the beginning because we've been following Gabby for like for two arcs, and I've been loving like this two part uh, arc. Um, and like you said, like yeah, she's been nothing but like a rebellious little shit. But just getting a, a proper, like, answer to, like, her backstory, to just, like, put everything into perspective of, like, why she's the way she is, like, who the fuck wouldn't be, at the very least, like, not be able to come out, like, goddamn, like, it's just, like, it, just, it was it was so good for the character, I just, like, I, I definitely understood her a little bit more, and she wasn't even part of the scene, but it's, like, a, but I completely understood everything, it was awesome, I, I fucking love that book, this book, and, yeah, I can, can't wait to see where this shit goes, the, the, the fucking monster did a thing yeah the thing <laughs> it's it's a lot i was like oh god <laughs> so and our final boom book is eve children of the moon number three written by victor laval illustrated by joe me young um colored by britney pier and letter by n world design ah, i really liked this issue yes i like that the first issue was this is what's happening with the eaves the second issue was this is the opposing force and then this issue is here comes another opposing force and holy <laughs> fuck. And that made it really interesting. And I love this multi multi like level war that's going on. Mm-hmm. And this is a really creepy villain. Like I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with it. Cause the design is really creepy. Uh huh. And we haven't really seen a lot of creep in Eve, except for like, you know, in the first one, like forms, but yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I never bought they were that much of a threat in the original. It was more her survival was the threat, not the monsters are going to get her. I never bought the monsters were going to get her, but this thing is creepy as fuck. And (laughs) I I think it's really interesting. Um, What do you think? I mean, okay, so definitely talking about like that AI system, it just like, it gave me like fail safe vibes. It's like it's it's running off a of directive. Yeah. It's not going to stop. 
Um, and that's its own like problem. Meanwhile, like this other whole like front, like going back to the children, it's just like I really love that 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 conflict of like they share uh, the, the sharing the same parent, but having these two different stories, like uh, opposing ideals, and like they just can't mesh. And I love that Eve is just like I don't fucking get it, but it's like, but it's like like that meeting half the halfway point. I can't wait to till we get to that part where they can actually have the conversation. And even then, like when they were when they were talking about when the other Eve, like the slightly older Eve, was talking about like like feeling regret for the Eves that couldn't make it, like that that it wasn't yeah. like, like that that she that she's understanding like the other kid's side because it wasn't fair for the other fucking Eves, and and it wasn't like they deserved a happy fucking life just as much as like they saved the world. Oh, I just I fucking love this book so much. <laughs> yeah, it was. I love that scene too. Like just talking about like. You know, she deserved to do this, or she deserved to just get a shitty job and yeah. save her life. Like, I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah, man, I hear you. <laughs> so, really good. All right, next up, very briefly, we're going to talk about IDW, and I'm going to talk about a new book, Dead Seas Number One. Um, so, I'm excited to talk about this one. It is story by Kevin Scott, art by Nick Brokenshire, letters by Sean Lee. So, um, okay, this is a book you will like, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. Because the first thing that come into me came came to my mind, um, story wise, mm-hmm. is um, yeah, okay. I, I I hesitate to compare it to anything because I don't want to really do it. homesick pilots is what I was going to say. Sure. Okay. Yes. Um, because it's a world where ghosts are real, oh, and society has found a use for the ghosts. And so, and it's Kevin Scott who is a genius. So no, it's always a fan of his for sure. We are. It it opens up with this this uh, this Hispanic family. I'm not sure like specific. Mm-hmm. nationality because it's in the bronx they just say the bronx but it's got a little girl you know referring to her grandma as her abuelita and she's like abuelita's back and that's what's behind her oh get the fuck out that's so cool okay that's so cool <laughs> and then we cut to a bunch of prisoners in a plane and they're being taken to this thing is what they're saying and basically they're like yeah you guys have these prison sentences but if you do this specific work we'll knock yours off your sentence and what they're what they're what they do is they take them to this giant ship out in the ocean, mm-hmm. and essentially they have all the ghosts they find trapped on this ship in containment fields, and they've discovered the ectoplasm that the ghosts leave behind is actually like a medical marvel. It does all kinds of shit like to cure stuff, mm-hmm. so they need to collect it, but they got to worry about the ghosts. So they bring prisoners here to collect the ectoplasm while they keep the ghosts under control. Yes. They do it in the middle of the ocean because ghosts can't cross running water. Huh. So if anything else goes wrong, they can just sink the thing and kill them all. Yeah. Yeah. Else. So, um, so yeah, we're following a group of, of uh, prisoners going through it and we get to see them. <laughs> Dude, it's so grim. Uh, we get to see them like scraping the ectoplasm off with these uh, like little suction things, and it's just like, yeah. But then this fucking ugh, I keep hesitating because this thing's creepy as fuck. This ghost gets out. I'll give you a zoom in. Ooh, 
oh, it's just a zygote of babies. And it's just every voice, every mouth is saying, mother, 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 mother. No. And I'm like, <laughs> and we get this shot where it's just like, it's fucked, dude. It's such a fucked book. And yeah, long story short, uh, it's all about them. And one of the prisoners who's been there a while and is only like a week away from release loses mm-hmm. his mind and <laughs> and jumps off no. the boat and kills himself. But it's just it's really cool. Also, okay, so this is the big reveal, right? He's acting weird. And he's like, I don't want them to have I don't want what happened to me happened to him and all this stuff. And he, he basically is like, hey, the guy's trying to talk about it. He's like, hey man, you're about to go home. He goes, Home, you don't understand. How could you? I'm gonna show you two panels. He's like, they get into your head, man, the monsters. And then oh. shows that sh- close up of his eyeball. Ooh. So the he's basically inhabited by a ghost and he did that to kill them. Now, on top of all that, we find out this person and their team is about to break into the ship and steal everything anyways. So there's all kinds of shit going on. in this. (laughs) That's awesome. Really cool book. I really liked it. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, highly recommend dead seas one from IDW, which is great because IDW uh, doesn't get on our show enough and it's usually an IP. So it's really good to see an original book from them. Um, so awesome. Next up, we're going to talk about, uh, let's start with, uh, Dark Horse Breakout number four. This is the finale. I'm only talking about it for very briefly. Written by uh, Zach Kaplan, art by Wilton Santos, colored by Jason Wordy, and letter by Jim Campbell. It was really cool. Um, it's these kids. You might remember kids being abducted by aliens and, uh, these like kids who are like their older siblings want to break them out. These teens. Mm-hmm. And they have to plan this whole heist, basically, to escape with these kids. And, uh, yeah, basically, long story short, not everybody gets out. Uh, but it's it's really well told. And I'll just tell you, they win, essentially. They get, they sure. get everybody, well, they get almost everybody out. Uh-huh. And they blow up the ship. And I think I remember telling you that we find out they're not aliens. They're actually humans from the future. Coming back to steal youth to keep uh-huh. themselves alive. Yeah. So they blow up the ship. And when they do, half the ships around the planet disappear. So some, they did something. Oh, they and actually fucked. Okay, yeah. And then they recruited, uh, like, uh, the CIA or some shit shows up and recruits the kids to basically be their task force to take out the rest of them. And so, yeah, they basically, now they have funding. They don't have to make it with, like, duct tape and stuff. Uh, and so that's how it wraps up. Now, the main kid, the, I, I, di- I didn't really want to talk super spoilers, but the main kid did lose his brother. The whole reason he went, mm-hmm. his brother sacrificed himself to save them. Uh, okay. So it's very interesting. But I, I really liked this. I thought this was a really great book. Yeah. Uh, like a low-key, really good book. So um, definitely check that out. Trade should be out soon. It's only four issues. So it'll be a, probably like a $10 trade. Next up, Oni Press and Agritsuko out to lunch number four. Again, I'll be very quick. It's a finale. Written by Josh Trujillo, illustrated by Abigail Starling, colored by Andrew Dahlhaus, and letter by Crank. I missed issue three when it came out, so I had to read it online. Okay. I bought it, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, I didn't pirate. Um, and yeah, it's basically Agritsuko or Ritsuko doing her office job, but also doing the maid cafe. And oh, yeah. basically, long story short, 
it didn't work out and she she can't do them both and she's able to go back to the office and they really don't understand that she was the same person you know what i mean like like they didn't know she had the other job some of them did i think figured it out but yeah um but it's really cool it was really cute and it also ended with like almost like a date there's like a friendship date with the guy that is in love with her oh yeah and i like seeing that because i really like them they're cute so <laughs> good stuff more i go please and after that is Ablaze, Traveling to Mars, number two. This book is messing with my normal. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so, written by Mark Russell, art by Roberto de Carmeli, colored by Chiara de Francia, and letter by Mattia Gentili. Um, this is the one about the guy who is hired by a company to go to Mars to claim Mars for their company. And he has stage four cancer and he has like a month to live. So he's basically going there to die because the whole problem, no one could put anyone on Mars is because they couldn't figure out how to get them back. And they're like, well, we have to worry about that with you, basically. <laughs> so he's there. And then it's just emotion and him dealing with everything and thinking about his life. And his mother calls video calls him and is like, how Ooh. could you do this to me? And he's like, you're gonna get a check for ten million dollars because I did this, basically. Like, uh-huh. like he's always dying anyways, and she's just like, she's very upset with him. And you see a flashback. You find out he used to be like a, like a punk guitarist, and his dad was disappointed in him and stuff. And he never really accomplished anything in his life. And he thinks about his ex-wife, who they got divorced, and how he still loves her. And he's just sitting around drawing pictures of her. And then there's these two robots that are with him, who are just insane. <laughs> and just running around the ship the entire time. And there's a really sad moment where one of them early on turns the ice machine into a um, into a snow cone maker form. <laughs> okay. And there's that moment right there when they're running. He's trying to sleep. And he's like, Jesus Christ, call it tonight, guys. I'm trying to sleep in here. And then he feels bad because they look all ashamed. And he's like, God, I shouldn't have yelled at them. And then there's this moment where this robot hand appears with with a snow cone for him. I was like, oh. I was like, my heart. Like, it's really good. And there's like lots of cool details about how he he wants to sleep, right? But the ship they use to to be as quick as possible isn't meant for human travel. It's comfortable enough and everything, but there's little things like you can't turn off the lights oh, because shit. why would you need to be able to? Yeah. So he has to blindfold himself to sleep it's like lots of little things like that it's really interesting mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's it's messing with my normal though because it's all about mortality and your family and i'm like no fuck this i don't like that. <laughs> it's a great book though it's really really good i'm very curious to see what mars thinks about it because i know she was reading it too and oh really nice the first issue so yeah which brings me to scout comics warning I have five number ones for Scout this week <laughs> because they're monsters. So we're going to go quick, rapid fire. Junior, number one. Created and written and drawn by Alex Cometo. Colors and production design by Sean Callahan. Letter by DC Hopkins. Um, this one is a sci-fi story about a group of four travelers. Uh, wait, no. <laughs> That's the other one. Damn it. There's like three sci-fi books in this one. <laughs> this one is a solo traveler with a pet, and you're going to love this part, Hippopotamus Dog. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, what a brave little boy. <laughs> and 
they they're forced to crash land on a planet they're not sure if it's safe their helmet explodes so yep better be safe and they get chased by a t-rex um it's really interesting i really like the character design for her a lot um it's it's really cool and um she breaks her leg running away from a t-rex and there's this really great moment where she gets she's got a broken leg she's cornered it gets up in her face roars in her face right Mm -hmm. she peels the hood off that she's wearing because it's under the helmet throws it aside and just shouts in his face what okay and he just gets up and leaves and she passes out and there's like this crazy energy going on around her while she's out cold. And then the hippopotamus dog finds her and her leg is healed. She doesn't know how. Also, the hippo dog can talk, by the way. Oh, they can? Oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's just chit-chatting with her the entire Wait, time. Wait, did she mimic the roar? Is that what she passed out? Like, because it was like too powerful? like, Or was it just like her own? We don't know yet. Ooh. So it's a good hook. I really like this one. I thought it was sort of a lot of fun. Okay, next up, Road Trip to Hell, number one. Okay. Uh, this one's great. <laughs> They're all great. I Honestly, I enjoyed all five of There's these. There's so many hellish books right now. I love it. I know. Rid- writers Nicole D'Andrea, pencil and ink by Monica McCogney, uh, colors by Joaquin Pereira, and lettered by Justin Birch. Um, this one is about a kid who, um, I believe, I want to say he was adopted, if I remember correctly. I think so. And he uh, has a sister who is in uh, who has cancer and there's this whole setup with them and long story short, he can tell what's going to happen to you. If he touches your hand, uh, it's kind of like seeing the future, but it's pretty much only bad shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like people come to him and pay money, be like, Oh, fortune teller. And then he sees like them being horribly maimed. So like this guy, he sees him being killed by a shark and he's like, don't get in the water. And the guy's like, what the fuck's this? And <laughs> it's just this fucked up thing. The guy who runs or owns the building, his business is in, kicks him out because he's sick of him pissing off people. Mm-hmm. And then he sees this dude, that dude actually getting shot by a robber oh, and shit. doesn't tell him because fuck <sighs> that guy. So that's cool, right? That's a cool story already. Kid goes home and this person's waiting for him. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so good. <laughs> And that is Baphomet. Yes, yes, it is. So Baphomet's like, "Hey, kid," <laughs> basically, like, "So I got, I got to tell you something. Uh, I'm here about I'm kind of your old man." And basically, he re- holds up a note that says, "Last will and testament of Satan." <gasps> In the event of my destruction, I hereby bequeath my hellish empire to my son Francis Rhodes. <laughs> he will awesome. acquire all my powers when he st- when he steps foot through the gates of hell. If any of the denizens of hell wish to become king, they must kill Francis Rhodes. Have fun in hell. So what the fuck? immediately he starts getting attacked by people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's just dealing with it. And then he's about to get stabbed or he's got some blade to his uh, throat and the dude gets stabbed from behind by her. Ooh, That is a woman sent by heaven to protect him because he would be a good devil. Oh, okay. And that, and that woman is Joan of Arc. What the fuck? I know. I love it. It's such a twist. <laughs> I was like, yes. And then someone kidnaps his sister with cancer <sighs> to force him to show up. Uh-huh. And he shows up. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. He shows up and 
or no, he didn't show up yet. This, it shows the sister showing up to meet the boss. Mm-hmm. She's being dragged in. And the boss is Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. What is this? It's so great, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be like the devil's son and Joan of Arc fighting Adolf Hitler. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I need sure. to read this. <laughs> I know, right? Next up, Ghost Planet number one. This is the other sci-fi one. This is a one-shot, so if you Ooh. like the sound of this, pick it up. Yeah. Um, written by Jeffrey uh, Burrent, uh, art and letters by Sean Van Gorman, and that's it. Um, this is the one about a group of four explorers who go down onto a planet. And long story short, they're exploring it, and they run into a creature uh, who looks like this. And then, uh-huh. like, opens up its mouth, which has an unfortunate penis head look, but yeah. we'll move on from that. Um, because once it opens up, it looks like that. Ooh. So, it basically sprays stuff on one of the people whose helmet is cracked, essentially. And he dies. And then it becomes like an infection, like a sci-fi infection story. Mm-hmm. where one of the girls gives that guy mouth to mouth to try to save him and is unable to. And then in the middle of the night, the other girl's like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, don't you understand? It's a miracle. Because the, the guy who died is this girl's brother who she's talking to. Yeah. She's like, your brother is alive. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so, and then like, check out this creepy shot with the weird posture. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love it. So basically, she leaves the base without a helmet so there's only two people left the girl and her dad and she's like yo she left and she's she walks off on her own and then this happens it's so anime i fucking love it yes so she wanders off long story short i'm not gonna go beat by beat everything or each one of them is infected in the end all of them and they keep seeing visions of their dead family Oh Becky my god, come yes. out. And yeah, all four oh there's the dad, he got infected. Uh-huh. And then the girl, she's the last one. Uh she goes out to try to, you know, stop the dad from you know, walking out into the wilderness. And then we get this fucking blood-curdling page where it's just like Oh my god, it is beautifully anime. I fucking love this. It just it just it gives me fucking um Memories vibes, uh, specifically Magnetic Rose. There's like an anthology anime movie, yeah, and there's like a sci-fi uh, uh, twist to it, and there's like a Koji Morimoto one, uh, the City Hunter guy. He fucking, it, he's the one that directs the the Magnetic yeah. Rose one. I highly recommend watching that one. This gives me the same vibes. There's oh god, yes, I need to find <laughs> this. So yeah, so she's fucked basically, and the last shot we see is the planet. So. Oh, that's awesome. And then group going back to comics. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it is a one-shot. Pick it up. Really fun. I need this so bad. Yeah, dude, Scott put out some good shit this week. I was very, <laughs> very impressed. I almost didn't pick them all up, and I was like, nah, I'll pick them up. Nice. So glad I did. Next up is uh, Darkland. Might be my favorite. Okay. Of the five. I, I really liked them all, but mm-hmm. uh, written by Nicholas Black. Art by Serge Acuna, colored by Hakto Oshiro, and letter by Bernardo Bryce. Uh, here's the cover. Oh, cool. So, this is 
like a not post-apocalyptic, but it's it's near future, and the there's multiple main characters, but uh, this this chick is one of them. She is a prisoner Ooh. who is hired by the government. Essentially, they they deputize her to go take somebody out, a dangerous girl who looks like this. Uh huh. And she's like, "All right," and you find out she has a robot arm. And they talk about how they took away her arm, so they give it back to her for the mission, essentially. This girl is, it appears to be she's living in a, in a mall, a shopping mall, like a rundown shopping mall. And it's, it's just really, really interesting. It kind of builds on a couple different characters. Um, there's also like, it, it, there's a lot of world building in this one I like. Um, there's like a, a scene on a train. There's this implication that there's like, there's this young child who you find out is an information courier. Oh. Like that transports information back and forth, which is really interesting. Um, the girl she's hunting saves a guy from being attacked by a monster. There's the monster. Oh, nice. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's, she's like, get the hell out of here. Leave me alone. And um, it just gets really interesting. We get introduced to more characters, like a guy who's like scarred the fuck up and shit. Mm-hmm. It just gets really interesting, like this cast of characters. I don't know what to think about it and how to sum it up yet because of that. But the the mercenary chick, the, the trick she's on is robbed by two people. And she does this. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then just blows a hole through the other one. What the fuck? Like, awesome. She's absolutely great. I love her. So yeah, it's kind of built into like this confrontation, and I really liked it. I, I this of the ongoings. This the reason this one really appealed to me is because I want to know where it goes the most. By uh, far. okay, so I'm really excited about that. And the final one, the bones of the gods, number one. So, yo, this is the one, okay. This is the one I um I was curious on. When I was looking at at, at the at the list. Yeah, written by Brendan Deenan. Or Denine, excuse me. Art and colors by Mauricio Mello. Letters by Fabrizio Galette and Magic Eye Studios. This is a fantasy world comic where there is these two uh, armies that basically fought for generations. And they fought on behalf of their gods who just never showed up. And they do a really great job of simplifying how kind of ridiculous this whole thing is. Because one team wears red and one team wears blue. It's (laughs) literally like we're the same thing. Well, one day, the gods actually show up and fight. And then you can see literally just, they're just the same, just different colors. It's very symbolic. I love it. So, long story short, we cut ahead several years in the future. One of the soldiers there basically recalls that the gods killed each other. It's 20 years later is what it was. Mm -hmm. And his, his daughter wants to be a warrior. And he's like, no, you just trained to be like me. We set up her story with all her like friends and characters and stuff. It's really well told. And it does set up kind of. Hmm, I, 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 it reminds me of something, but I can't place it. That we've read something on this. Um, maybe Engine Ward. Okay. It's, yeah, I, I would say Engine Ward, kind of. Um, it also has some by the horns blood in it. You could feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, long story short, her dad is like, "Hey, you got to help me on the farm. There's no time for to fuck around." Basically, you find out that. He's one of the few people that actually survived that battle because the gods basically blew up when they died and killed everybody. 
Oh, okay. Um, he just happened to him and his wife happened to run away from the fight. It's the only reason they survived. And there's this whole thing about if you find the bones of a god, it has powers. It gives you abilities. Well, she's tilling the field and she digs up a bone and Ooh. it knocks her out. Uh, some bad guys show up to try to take it. And the bad guy has like, you could see he has a staff here. And if you see, there's a tiny bit of bone in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. She found a full fucking leg, basically. <laughs> And her dad's like, get the fuck out of here. And he says, go to hell. The, the old man says, you first. And then we're lo- left with this shot. Oh, it's all around. Oh, it's just right there. I see it. Yeah, it just obliterates him. So, yeah, another. This is a good, fun fantasy one because none of the others were like a fantasy world. So, <laughs> really good mix of scout this week. I really enjoyed it. So, all right. Now let's start talking about the big three image comics. I'll start with Deadliest Bouquet number five. This is the finale. Um, I don't think there's going to be a sequel. That's just... The story doesn't leave room for a sequel. <laughs> Let's gotcha. just leave it at that. Okay. okay. Script and letters by Erica Schultz. Art by Corella Borelli. Colors by Tom Chu. And uh, yeah, that's it. So check it out. I mean, I have the trade. Again, I've read it before, so I know what happens. But I didn't want to reveal that ahead of time in case anyone wants to read it. It's really good, though. Um, it does seal off the because it's a mystery book i don't want to talk about it too much it's a good mystery these three women trying to find out who killed their mother it's not who you think and it's done really well and i really enjoy it and it's um the only thing i would say is i wish it was stretched out a little further than five issues i would like okay. maybe an extra issue right here right before this one started before the finale. But other than that, I just really enjoyed it. So yeah, Great. definitely check out the least bouquet. Very good stuff. Next up, Josue, Department of Truth, Wild Fiction Special. <sighs> Department of Truth is Wild Fiction Special. Written by James Tyne the Fourth, art by Martin Simmons, and lettered by Adina Bidikar. Um, but you need that already, because this issue is just a reprint of ten and eleven put together on the Bigfoot story. And I didn't know that. I wish I would have known. <laughs> Oh damn it! <laughs> it's already had those two issues. I was so pissed. I was like, "Oh, we're going back. What? Are, so we're going to add to the Bigfoot story?" And I'm like, "Uh huh. This is the same." If it starts doing like the, if it starts doing like the passages thing, then it's like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And I, and I went to like the image website, and it's like, "There's no solicitation for this issue." And fuck, I wonder why. And just now, I just went to like where my my source of getting uh, my list for the week. I click on that issue for the link, and sure enough, it tells you. It's a reprint of 10 and 11, and I wish I would have known. I really, I mean, I really wanted more information. It's a fiction special, not a reprint special. God damn it. I was so pissed. I mean, it's cool at collector's item, I guess. I guess I so, but I already have those. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, then we'll move on. Uh, yeah. Next up is I Hate Fairyland 2, or as my cover says, fuck Fairyland. <laughs> nice. Um, I love this homage cover. Ooh. Yeah, because she's literally face planted into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I really like it. It's good. Um, created and written by Scotty Young, drawn by Brett Bean, colored by Jean Francois Ballou, and lettered, uh, lettering by Nate Picos. I mean, it's more of I Hate Fairyland. They're trying to convince Gert to go back to Fairyland to fight people. Um, she's given a talking rat sidekick. And basically, they, they determined so this, this guy's kid was kidnapped and he's like i need you to go there to rescue him because everybody i send 
is immediately killed because through the magic of fairyland, if you're not invited to fairyland, you can't go there. She was in fairyland before, so she's safe. Huh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, really interesting. And uh, one of the one of the jokes I really like is the people he hired to save the sun. He uh, it was a whole group of people, including the best of the best in cryptozoology, combat search and rescue, and kids on bikes. And it's very much the Stranger Things kids. The four of them. <laughs> and they're, oh immediately, they're immediately sent through a blender, basically. Like, they're just printed a paste. So, uh, so she goes back and she discovers she has to go through the Inferno, which is this hell-like place to go through the back door of Fairyland. Um, she pays this guy to give her, make her guide. And he's like, oh, this shouldn't take very long, just a couple days. And then it cuts to years later and she's just like i fucking hate this guy basically it's fun <laughs> i love i love i like this book a lot so good stuff next up hmm hitomi three yes yes i got this cover oh sick ass fuck i didn't see that yeah so it was That's the awesome. last one <laughs> that <laughs> like is so cool mine. yeah uh, created and written by HS Talk, art by Isabella Mazanti, layouts by Nicoletta Bay, colors by Valentina Napolitano, letters by Rob Jones. Um, this was a really good story. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked the complicated morality, yeah, of this story because you can see. Okay, long story short, the two of them, the samurai and the student are hired to take care of something that's threatening a, a town. And we find out the threat ha- very much has a reason to be threatening the town. Mm-hmm. But we also learn that, you know, the Ronin takes the job and he's not going to not do the job. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the point of it yeah, all. There's honor in the job, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that anyone who wronged the force is is like off the hook you know what i mean like so i i'm trying to speak carefully because again it is a little bit of a mystery is like what is the thing we find out pretty quickly but um i really liked it this i think it's my favorite issue so far yep i was gonna say the same thing i I really and i've loved this book but it's it was just really cool and the the closing scene when Mm -hmm. someone gets their comeuppance i was like holy fuck that was really impactful and good um really 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 great issue what do you think I am so so yeah. Everything was awesome. Like it, my favorite issue so far, it, it just gave me, especially with like the lesson learned or, or like just the lesson learned. I was like, yo, at the end of the day, you got your own fucking blade. Not even like in a wink, wink. I love that he just like walked away. I didn't even. I for a second, I didn't even get like that's what he was telling her. Maybe he wasn't, but the fact that she caught on and it's like, well, you're right. I do have my own fucking sword now. Ugh, that was good, but the part that got me. Is that when he when she when she comes back, and he specifically he specifically highlights about the um, about Shiburi. He's like, did you did you wipe the did you clean the blade? He didn't necessarily fully clean his blade before he unsheathed when he did the thing. And I and was, and that stood out to me so hard as like something that he would fucking do right. And but there's like a little little trinket of blood right before he just completely snaps it closed. And it's like. Did you do that on purpose? Is is that foreshadowing something fucking later? And I hope not, because <laughs> and and I was like, maybe maybe I'm I'm reading too much into that panel. But then he distinctly calls her out and is like, "Did you wipe the blade?" And it's like, "Fuck, I don't like that." Right. 
yeah. Mm. Good stuff, though. Uh, next up is Rogue Sun 9. Hosuite was not able to secure a copy. And I just realized I got the fucking spawn cover. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> I, you want to know what? why I'm really upset, though? Mm. Cover A is done by Luana Vecchio. Oh, it is a Luana Vecchio one. Oh. <laughs> I don't have anything against the person who drew the spawn cover, which is Marco Rinna. It's very well done. I like it. I just don't like Spawn. <laughs> I'm so sick of these covers. So, yeah. Anyways, comic written by Ryan Parrott, uh, Parrott. Uh Art by Marco Rinna, who did the cover. Um, colors by Natalia Marquez and letter by Becca Carey. Uh, so, keeping it kind of light, Rogue Son essentially comes face to face with, you know how they set up his like arch nemesis? Mm-hmm. He comes face to face with his arch nemesis. And oh. his arch nemesis beats his ass Mm -hmm. like absolutely beats his ass and he basically says like (laughs) like he basically holds him to like basically i need you to run an errand for me basically he's like i'm gonna kill you by the way he stabbed rogue son through the chest with the sword by the way i should open with that (laughs) but he basically told him to, to go to the quill or go to the aviary and take the quill and bring it to him and he said, if you don't, I'm going to kill all your friends and family, Dylan. And then he and then he takes the bag of money from the bank he was robbing. Like, I'm going to take this later. <laughs> and so, yeah, he gets absolutely wrecked. You find out that um, the stepmom, there's like a shroud she has that you can put over him to, to heal him. So he's getting healed up. And something's going on with his little brother and little sister. And they they stole the uh, they stole the, the stone from him at one point. Mm-hmm. And while he's recovering, they steal another one, and basically they're casting a spell. You see them a little altar, like, sure, "Are you sure about this?" It's like, you know, it's the only way that you know help him. It's what he needs. It says he needs dad, and this is the only way to get him back. Uh huh. So they have the stone and some of Dylan's blood and all this stuff. Cast the spell, and. I hear you, child, but I'm not your father. Why? And that's where it cuts off. So, yeah, we'll see what's going to happen there. What? I love I love what Rogue Sun's doing right now. That's so cool. I, I, I hate that I haven't been able to find it, and it's because it's been one of my favorite massive books. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely. So, Speaking of favorite books, what's the furthest place from here, number nine? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sweeney Boo. With Tyler Boss and Matthew Rosenberg and Hassan Atsmani Al Hau. This is a Sweeney Boo book. You can tell from the art immediately. Yep. And I love it. And it's it's a self-contained story, but it also sets up so much more about the world. And adds a level of dread and inevitability to the world of what's the furthest place from here. Mm-hmm. That just kind of sits on you for a while. I was like, <laughs> I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like the frog dude. I was like, what Ribbit. is happening? And then like the inevitable ending and like how it's just, it's so fucked. Huh? So, what, a, what a great book. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. I love this book. It's twisted. It messes with my head, but I absolutely love it. What did you think? 
<laughs> just it's one of my favorite books. It's it's one of my favorite books that I just I love being lost in. It's like I'm not just like Amazing Spider-Man. Like, tell me what the fuck happened to Peter like those six months ago. Like, no, like 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 this this book. Like, you'll, you'll tell me what you need to tell me when you need to tell me. And I just, oh, it's just, it's so fucking good. I just, it's cool that we got a, an actual solo journey story of like out there. At least like in the other ones, like they're they're going from family to family, but they're all together. They're like, at least like they're they're good in numbers. And yeah, the sense of dread it was like anything could be around the corner. We find Ribbit, and that was a fun little journey to leave our guard down. Oh god, it's just it's so freaking good because I can't go anywhere without any spoilers. But I do think, or I mean, like I'm wondering what the uh, what are the the adults like the mothers were like holding or who they're holding. Right. But uh, it was almost like that last look at on the last page is almost like not 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 a reassurance, but it's almost like a confirmation that of like for like the worst for her seeing them i think it was just like it's so it's you can read it you can read the ending however you want but it's like i don't i don't think like she liked seeing them but not for that reason alone like because they appeared but for everything else like ah how does this book get all the feels for me <laughs> i know it's crazy so uh really good really really fucking good yeah <clears throat> and final image book Chroma 2. Uh, I wanted, before I even go over the creative team, I just want to talk about how I love that it's staying a big, thick boy. Yes. Like, I thought it might just be the first issue. I'm really glad. Uh, Creator, art, right, everything. Lorenzo de la Felici. And uh, with Russ Wooten doing the lettering. Well, we were left on a cliffhanger last issue. (laughs) And uh, that didn't work out (laughs) for that kid. Uh, So. I like that there wasn't some kind of like Deus Ex Machina that saved the kid. Yes. Spoiler alert, he's dead. <laughs> like, he's just dead. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I was worried. Like, when we were talking about our last review, that, that's what I was hopeful for. As, as fucked up as that sounds, but it was for like the narrative. I love yeah. that, like, in the end, like, I was hoping that he would, like, that, that, that they would, like, follow through with it. And they kind of flip it around, but it, but it made sense. It's like, it made sense for how it moved forward, but we kept the mm-hmm. character just gone. And they found a way to keep him around. Yes. So that's good. Um, And so obviously she's going to be the main character. And we get to explore this world a bit more outside the city, which I really enjoy. And we get to meet a new character who is twisted, to say (laughs) the least. I I love the way he's adapted to live, like the the color pellets and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I like his little base. It's a really smart thing to do. And yeah, I just love this idea because it's um there's a lot of really great comics about a single hero traveling around the world, going from situation to situation, just trying to survive. And I think this is a really good example of that, reminding me of something like Why the Last Man. Okay. Where, yeah. you know, it's like Oh, York's in Topeka, Kansas, and these people are cannibals, you know, or something like that. <laughs> like, she's like, okay, she escaped this city, and now she's with this guy. And it's not like, everything's okay now. It's, there's going to be problems, and she's going to keep running into problems. I really liked it. I really, really like it so much. And I'm really curious to see where it's going to go next. And just the art is fucking beautiful. Like, so I love good. this book. What do you think? What do you think you want to add? I mean, um, I just want to add a little bit more um, to Kit. Like, even if he does end up coming later 
I'm fine with that. I just didn't want to come back in issue two off the bat. Like, like you said, I didn't do sex walking away. Um, I wanted like, to linger. I wanted that first issue to like really have weight to it like, in the end. Um, cause, cause again, like we've like the rules in comics, if you don't see the body, maybe they're still around and we just saw him fall and we, and we literally had the same thing play out with like the other, like the hook guy, the, the sickle guy, he fell in the vines. We didn't really see the body, but then he comes yeah. around later. Um, this page when they're looking for them was haunting. I love how they're just like in like the dinosaurs, like in the, in the background. It was, that it was, was a great so, shot. It was a great shot. It gave me chills, like looking of like what they didn't know or like, were they just like looming over and then just like, it just gets hectic. Um, the part, the, the part with the notebook was really cool. Like just like finding her picture and then like coloring the eyes. Like I, I love that. It's like, yeah, let's just focus on her. Like this is her book. This is Chroma's fucking book. Um, yeah. Well, one of my, new favorites for sure definitely all right well next up we're going to talk about dc comics first up nightwing number 99 we're almost there Josue. almost almost uh i got this cover because he just looks so sexy i thought about it but this the the black fade out into everything was just so good that was the other one i was looking at yeah this was really good so um uh, why do they put the creative team somewhere random every issue? There we go. Bath page. Written by Tom Taylor. Art by Bruno Redondo and Gerardo Borges. Inks by Caio Felipe. Colors by Adriana Lucas. Letter by Wes Abbott. Uh, we kind of wrap up the loose ends of Nightwing's arc right now. We get to see a pretty extensive like team up with his sister which I really liked because I love that character. And I swear to God, if she gets a Nightwing costume of her own, who female version of Nightwing's costume, that'll be the, that'll be my new favorite costume over Gwen Stacy's <laughs> because I, she'll just look so good. Like my bisexual heart would love that so much. <laughs> like, so get a dynamic duo book out of it. Yeah. But basically, she you know she reveals her true allegiances to Dick because the people who really could threaten it aren't really gonna be around. <laughs> so it's like might as well. And I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was really cool. There was also a really interesting hook about the future and finding out something for maybe to find out more about Dick's past. Shit. And uh, we we get the unveiling of The Hold, which I thought was a really cool concept. I'm not going to explain it, but you guys check it out. It's really great. And we're leaning into issue 100, and also we're still teasing Heartless is out there. A lot going on, and issue 100 has me a little worried because I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I really liked it. What did you think of the issue? They seem ready. Um, oh, I, I freaking loved it because it's like, it opens up like Nothing against like nothing against the book. It's like it's like we're like you said, we're tying up loose ends. So it's like I like that the first half like feels like a little cliche, like like the piece of shit dad comes back, got out on, on good behavior. First thing he's gonna do is something not of good behavior. <laughs> and and Nightwing stops him. So where do we go where do we take it from there? Five thirty eight. And you're like, wait, what? Why are we? Why the fuck are we leaving now? <laughs> I yeah. wanna come back to this number so fucking bad, uh, but we have to get through a big number first, 100. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really good. So, yeah. All right. Well, next up, Josue, talk to me about 
a book I know you're very excited to talk about, so much so that you couldn't help but tell me about it ahead of time. Yes. World's Finest number 10. Oh, my God. Or nine. No, 10. 10. Yeah. 10. Uh, so written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora, uh, colors by Tamara Bonvillon, and lettering by Steve Wands. So everybody's on the lookout for Thunder Boy because Mr. Key and Joker took him prisoner. And this is like, a Silver Age. So Joker is like, he, wa- he wants to know the secret identities of... of Bruce Wayne, most of all, but might as well Superman. He's like he's like just slapping down um, newspapers as like of all of their adventures together, and it's like, don't tell me you don't fucking know. You've been with it this whole time. How do you not know what their secret identities are? Um, so, so they're literally being they're they're playing good torture, bad torture, like just on their boy, and it's just like it's it's, it's just it's fucked up. And meanwhile, like the the we're the world's finest. And the Teen Titans are literally just looking at, like, just flipping Gotham up and down, trying to, trying to figure, any, trying to, like, find this kid. Um, but, but there's so much, so many structures that are, like, st- like, built off of lead. So it's even, it's, it's even hard for, for Superman to even get a read on which ones to even pin down. Um, Superman, uh, Batman finally figures out, like, it's like he pinpoints a location. They go in, and it's just, like, a room of fucking doors. And each room, each door is, like, a trap or just, like, a mislead. Um, so they finally kind of get a, get around it where it's just like, oh, only one of these doors has been used and Joker only wears gloves, but not Mr. Key find it, Clark. And so he just literally just scans and finds the one doorknob with a fingerprint and they go through it and they find it. And it just sucks because I mean, like, but meanwhile, this whole time, they're just like not letting up on Thunderboy. Like they're just, now it's like Mr. Key's turn and, and, and I'm more, and he's, he's playing like the, the good cop, the good torture. Um, he starts like uh, revealing about his uh, about about his past and correlating it with Thunderboy, so you can kind of like ease ease him up a little bit. And Thunderboy's kind of like, "I'm not even fucking from here." And Mister Key basically figures out, like, "Wait, you're telling me you're from like a parallel universe? Like, you're telling me you're the fucking key to the multiverse?" <clears throat> and um, oh God, I'm just like <laughs> like reveling now. So the um, so everybody sh- shows up now. Superman is fucking pissed and it's just like it's crazy how this uh, the way he shows up like this is not a superman you ever want to see oh that's great it's 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 fucking intense um they throw more at him like uh, mr key basically goes for like goes for the back door um joker goes goes through his own portal um it's supposed to be aqualad and dick after joker Thunderboy is not fucking having it. He's like, no, Joker's fucking mine. And he, they go through, it's like a giant Joker arcade world, like amusement park. Um, and like, they're, they're, he doesn't kind of shit. Um, fucking Thunderboy gets a hold of him. And he's just like, after so long being alone with this fucking piece of shit, um, we get the reveal of who Thunderboy is gonna be. <laughs> and this is fucking insane. Um, he basically vows, like, if I ever fight, like, cause like, Dick is able to stop him. He's like, no, he's already had enough. So at this point, he just fucking bows. Like, if he ever sees him again tomorrow or fucking 20 years from now, I will kill you. And it cuts to the 20 years from now. And Thunderboy is fucking Magog. Amazing. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Like, the implications of this. Week, I mean, because like, it's still, it's Mark Wade on Mark Wade. Like, bring, like, coming up with that character back in Kingdom Come. And now giving us like this 10 issue, like so far 10 issues of his origin story this whole time. 
fuck like like the the fact that he wants to move like move this character forward in this new light like under like for dc like make him somewhat canon like they played with him before but never like this from the, the actual like the the word of god for from this character and what's and what's getting at me is just like it's like going back to kingdom come and the, the whole relationship between that magog and superman like then like uh budding like has like on ideolo- ideology uh, ideologies in this and, and it kind of it bring and then coming back to this one, not necessarily that they're the same story, but it's like the like there's been a lot of times where Thunderboy has been seeing Superman not in a bad light, but in a way where we can understand it because like he's been Clark has been losing it. Thunderboy is just getting an impression off of these bad instances, and it, and it's so so feeding that to like the whole Magog story. It just makes so much sense, and I fucking love that so much. It's really cool. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Cause yeah, I was led to believe this is canon. You know, like this yeah. is this is the mainline DC universe. So yeah, same What, does that, right? what so. does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right, awesome. Next up, we have the ending of two crossovers. Let's start with Batman versus Robin number four. Okay. At least a pause to a crossover. I mean, yeah, I guess. Written by Mark Wade. It's funny how we're going back to Mark Wade. Yeah. Talked about that. Uh, written by Mark Wade. Um, drawn by Mahmoud Asrar and Scott Godlewski. Closed by Jordi Belair and letter by Steve Wands. <sighs> what to say? Um... I really have enjoyed. Mm, I, I like the art uh-huh. in, in this run. I think the art is fantastic. I love specifically Mahmoud Asrar. I really like his art. Um, so there's that. Um, if you are a Batman fan, this is the crossover for you. <laughs> specifically, just Batman. Yeah. If you like Batman and don't give a shit about anyone else in that entire or their development, yeah, yeah, then you will enjoy this. I am not a Batman fan, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, cool! I don't want to see Batman shit on everybody I love." <laughs> so, guess what he does? Uh, Batman shits on everything I love. Okay, I'm being harsh. The last issue was way worse than this one um, because he literally defeats every Robin back to back and mm-hmm. shit entire time um it wasn't great on this one don't get me wrong because he also basically he's fighting damien and he's losing but he's like no wonder damien made me fight the others because he knew i'd be tired otherwise i'd beat him and i'm like dude yeah <laughs> into your monologue is such a fucking asshole like i was just like jesus and again, I, I don't necessarily think it's bad writing. I just think this is Bruce Wayne, unfortunately. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's a very realistic portrayal of this asshole. Um, I do like that he needed um, he needed Talia to help him. I, I liked that part. That was right. the thing I liked the most. Um, yeah, and like the art, the action's really cool. I still hate Damien in that outfit. It's <laughs> the ugliest thing in comics to me. Um, but we do get to see something that, I mean, we knew was going to happen because we've seen the solicits for Lazarus Planet. Yeah. Which is 
Batman with Dr. Fate's helmet on. Which, by the way, I have to point this out because it bothered me so much. It reshaped itself to give itself back. The, the, yeah, that's when I started noticing. It's like, I went back. It's like, oh, they, he did. He would. <laughs> He's like, well, this doesn't look right. Let me fix that before we do anything. And like, yeah. But yeah, basically, they resolved the issue. Um, Batman and Robin work together. In the end, Damien's freed, and he's like, "So sorry, father." And I'm like, "What was the point of all this?" That's that, that's where it got me really fucking bad. That were at the very least, where it's like maybe this event or leading up, or maybe maybe Lazarus uh, Planet is just coming a little too soon. Where this just felt a little rushed. Where Batman came in to save and like wiped away all the bad juju from Damien, and Damien had to cry out, literally cry out, "Father, Father, forgive, obviously forgive me." And it's like I already have, like move on. And it's like, Damien couldn't even have that. 17 fucking issues. And then into this. And he couldn't even have his own redemption. That's where it got me. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. This could have been a one-shot. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that bothered me. It literally could have been a supersized one-shot. It didn't even be a four-issue series. Yeah. Um, because, uh, honestly, it only existed to set up Lazarus Planet. Yeah. Which is already giving me Black Lantern vibes. You're right. Because it's like, ooh, anybody could come back from the dead. Maybe the elongated man will come back from the dead. Like Darkest Night? Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like, like, yeah. So, I don't know. It was fine. In the end, it was only four issues. It's not the worst thing about Batman right now. (laughs) Well, like I said, a pause. Like, to be continued in Lazarus Planet Alpha, but then return for Batman versus Robin number five in February. Oh my god, it did? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's at the bottom, yeah. I didn't read that. Yeah, that, that's why I said a pause, because it's to be continued. Oh. I just found it Alpha number one on sale January 10th, then return for Batman vs. Robin number five, uh, February 28th. What? what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't the story over? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Next <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to think about this anymore. Dark Crisis number seven. I got this cover oh sick Ooh, like okay cool tell me tell me what happens so oh and if you want to see the the version of this drawing without the words Mm -hmm. it's that oh cool so um i mean it's the ending of dark crisis it's the ending of a lot of different crises they're all kind of the same thing but this one essentially it resets everything to be back the way it was uh, with the multi the infinite multiverse and stuff like that. Um, written by Joshua Williamson. Art by, here we go. <clears throat> Daniel Sampier, Jack Herbert, Giuseppe Comancoli, Cam Smith, Rafa Sandoval. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez, Alex Guimaraes, uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr., Matt Herms, and letters by Tom Napolitano. And all of these people did covers, so I'm not reading all that. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it just kind of sets up the next era. And really, it's going to be very Nightwing-centric is the best way to look mm. at it. Um, because they Batman essentially says Dick is the most important hero in the DCU. Well, yeah, but that's all, so okay. It's really, really interesting. Um, we also get to see that the, the Dr. Light power-up that we saw in the Dark Army, the one with Damien. Okay is going to be a big deal, I think. And I really like that because I love Dr. Light. Um, basically, the multiverse is falling apart and the Flashes are like running around, the whole family, by the way, are running around like holding it together, but they can't. Mm-hmm. Like they can't run fast enough to actually hold it together. 
Well, Dr. Light uses her light powers and basically attaches it to them. And they basically use it kind of like to surgically repair everything. Mm -hmm. So she basically saves the multiverse. Like without her, they would not have won. Right. So they're really making Dr. Light a big deal, which I love. Um, And then. Okay. Normally, I don't like it when DC do moments like this, but I loved this one. Okay. (laughs) So Black Adam is fighting and he's talking about how he betrayed the justice league and you know he feels bad about it and he was wrong he should have trusted them and all this stuff he's like so much i've been blind to he's like um even after i dismissed them they saved me he's like i thought uh i thought that only i had the will and the power to stop the darkness but i was right or but i was wrong right so he's saying that he says that's why my name is black adam and it's like cocoon right Uh uh-huh He gives his powers to every hero. Oh, sick. Okay. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So like. That's. Like how fucking awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Yara. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. So basically they all like Black Adam powered now. And uh, yeah, they, they fixed the multiverse. Long story short, Black Adam and Deathstroke are getting into a fist fight because Black Adam doesn't have powers because he gave them to everybody else. Mm hmm. So they get into a fist fight, and it's just one of my favorite Black Adam moments. It's so good because he goes, um, uh, they're they're fighting, and he's like, uh, he's talking about the new kids, the the Teen Titans era, if you will. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, you know, uh, Deathstroke says, you know as well as I do, these new kids are not worth our, our time, and now you would fight alongside them, protect them, and then it cuts to Black Adam says, I would die with them. Oh, gangster as fuck and i'm like you're that's a great fucking page <laughs> i know and it's like and they keep giving these imagery of nightwing because he's he's like infected by the darkness now it's in him instead of deathstroke okay and it's literally his willpower fighting it <sighs> so yeah it's really interesting and then in the end they win they stop it they're able to get rid of, they're able to make the darkness retreat they imply that the darkness can't go away it's like a force of nature mm-hmm. um but they like you know they're like families reunited and it's like the bat family he was the star at all return justice society um the young celebrated teen titans dr light explores her new connections to the multiverse Ooh, and i'm like ooh. justice league incarnate keeps a watch fly in the multiverse jim corrigan is again bonded with the specter oh seriously okay yeah I mean, like, it, it is also her light, like, I literally stitched everything together, so that's cool. Uh, there's a shot of Dinah and Roy. It says, not everything was easy as Oliver Queen is lost. And that's why the Green Arrow thing is, like, uh-huh. why would you announce that now? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Darkseid went back to Apocalypse. Um, Deathstroke has lost all of his powers, his regeneration powers. Oh, shit. Okay. So, because of that, his body's just in constant pain now. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there, and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And you see somebody, a mysterious somebody, come in and press a button that kills him. Oh, shit. Yeah. Huh. And they they basically figure out, yes, not only is the multiverse back, it's an infant multiverse, and it's stable. Mm-hmm. So, and Mr. Terrific is like, hell yeah. I'm like, let's go, bro. <laughs> um, there's, there's, like, a lot of really cheesy DC moments, which is kind of fun, which is, like... Um, 
Hal and Barry shaking hands and being like, hey, good work with you again. Brave and the bold, huh? And it's like, take care of your kids, Flash. It's like, when are you going to start a family? Hal is like, what are you talking about, buddy? My family's bigger than anyone's. And it's all the Green Lanterns. I'm like, jeez. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get this awesome shot of Black Adam standing over the Hall of Justice, which I just love. Now, the art here goes to pains to make him look like The Rock. (laughs) Okay. Including giving him the people's elbow at one point. <laughs> I mean, he was eyebrow, not the elbow. Sorry, elbow would be great, actually. <laughs> he just fucking drops an elbow on Superman. Um, but it's him talking to John and, and uh, Clark, and just basically being like, uh, <laughs> he talks shit because he's Black Adam, and he's just talking about how, like, you know, it's time for me to return to my responsibilities. He's like, but Kal-El, your son, at least he didn't die like you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And John's like, I can't tell if that was a compliment or not. He goes, it was, son. It was. <laughs> and then all this great emotion, right? <laughs> You'll never guess which character ruins it. <laughs> Bruce fucking Wayne <laughs> is like the thing that helps Nightwing like hold on to the light mm-hmm. and fight the darkness. He remembers this candle that Bruce lit when he did his little oath and it's like you are the light in the darkness kind of thing. And he's just remembered this candle and you find out that Dick has always held on to the candle, right? Mm-hmm. It's like something he keeps for himself and he's just like looking at it afterwards. Yeah. And Bruce comes in, he's just like, "Yeah, this is the candle. I saved it, you know, and all this stuff." And Bruce takes it and snaps it in half. <laughs> what the fuck? And he's like, "You don't need this anymore." And I'm just like, "Let that him weird. decide that." <laughs> like, what the fuck man <laughs> like he's such a fucking asshole <laughs> he's like don't worry you don't need that he's like i i, I liked it actually <laughs> oh <laughs> my god it was just really weird you keep a giant fucking penny in your garage like let him keep a candle <laughs> and so they do announce that the justice league is broken up uh-huh. and that they're gonna reform maybe in the future but they're gonna be completely different i think Ooh. I think Dick is going to be the leader of the Justice League. Oh, that'd be sick. That'd be really, really cool. Uh, I'm thinking they had a tease, and I'm just going to look for it really quickly because I think they teased of who might be the Justice League in the future. Um, and if that was roster, I, I'm very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it does so, like a foreshadowing? Yeah, I'm trying to remember where it was because I know I saw something. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> yeah, I just want to analyze um that's awesome of course you of course you should like leave bloodhaven behind like leaving it pure and good as as for for his mission but yeah like definitely join up and lead the justice league i'd read that fucking book for sure it's in the epilogue is what it is so you see someone in a big cloak who apparently is the person that killed deathstroke from what i can tell okay and they're talking to a mysterious council of people Hmm. oh and they're doing basically like you know, the multiverse is getting bigger. I don't care about that. I care what happens to people in our world. These superhero villains, their fights continue to escalate. We must do something. And it says, you know, you find out these, this is the Council of Light. Oh. So we'll see that. It's like, uh, basically, like, we need to... This person's telling them, um, there is no Justice League now, and the heroes are left disorganized and chaotic, and I feel they only add to our troubles. So instead, if they refuse to follow our orders... They will suffer incarceration. If and if we have the resources to imprison their enemies, we can do the same to them. So you get this shot of some of the heroes behind bars. Uh-huh. And then it says, 
No more will they be making decisions that impact all of humanity from behind, from some secret headquarters in the moon. And this is my final point on the matter. And this is what I think is the Justice League lineup, which is oh. Dick front and center. There's the next Batman cool. and Damien oh. floor Shazam. And I can't see it because I have a oh, hot girl and I'm guessing that's Wally. Uh-huh. So that is a I'm hope- such a sick team. There's three Batman though is my only issue with it. Mm-hmm. But so. is it's such a good like generation like just little like tri- triforce of it that it's like it doesn't really impede like with the other powerhouses. I kind of like that dynamic for for the team though. I I don't think they need Damien and I love Damien, but I, if I had to cut one, it'd be Damien. I think I think he would be like the the, the rotating spot of the team. Like if he would come and go, yeah. and then like but we'll definitely bring someone else. But like everyone else, like yes, like give me just new new or even just like hot girl back and up and center on a main team. And then we get this shot of the the big three imprisoned. Oh no, shit! And it's like setting something up, and the light, the thing is light is like, yo, like she's like, or the the person's like, oh, we're gonna do this thing, you know, we're gonna we're gonna control them, and the council lights like, yo, you're thinking too small, basically. They said they're too dangerous to be controlled or imprisoned. We must take take, take steps we've never allowed before. You have our full permission to utilize every resource to fully eradicate metahumans from our world. Ooh. And we find out who was talking. And when I tell you that I was both excited and disappointed at the same moment, it's Amanda Waller. Ah, damn. And see this character? Yeah. Uh-huh. Remember the Bat Superman combo? Yeah. That's a dark version of it. There's Peacekeeper and I guess Lady Peacekeeper. I don't know how to read that shit. And like, yeah, there's a bunch of shit going on here. Wait, so Amanda wait, Amanda Waller was the one that flipped the switch on Dark Deathstroke? That's what I'm assuming, because they That's kind of gonna guess that. that in the moment, but then you said like the the kill switch was like, but maybe not, but it would kind of it would be really cool if, if it was her, but damn. Okay. So they're setting up basically the suicide squad against the dc universe which i don't know if it's supposed to tie into the suicide squad game where it's you know kill oh, the justice God. league so we'll see not like this please no. i'm not particularly <laughs> excited about this because i'm not a big fan of the suicide squad at all i mean like okay I mean, that that team like whatever that robot is in the back like whatever that that weird batman i mean like though that batman had like a like a cassandra kane and uh and uh fuck uh was was it the Cass and the Batgirls? Like, wh- what are the names? The other one, <laughs> Stephanie. Thank you. It, it looked like a combination of both of theirs. Um, who knows what arsenal they have? Uh, but you look at that, that that potential Justice League roster, and it's like it's no match. Yeah, um, I mean, and I don't know if that's going to be the Justice League because honestly, I think Doctor Light's going to be in the Justice League too. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. So, but that's Dark Crisis. Uh, I think it ended very well. I was nice. not on board the entire way through, and I definitely think it was way too long and <laughs> took way too long, but the ending was good. So, And that takes us to Marvel Comics. And we have some fun ones this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start with Avengers Forever number 12. Now, I had to get a variant version because this is where the army they've actually gathered starts fighting. So okay. there's a bunch of fun variants, and I had to go with the Steves. So there's oh, all, the, all the shields, and there's Doggy Steve. <laughs> it's great. Uh, our uh, creative team, Jason Aaron, Aaron Cooter, Mark Farmer, 
Frank Martin and letters by Corey Petit. And I love this, the the roster page, because it's literally, you got Captain Carter, you got Weapon America, which is Wolverine plus Captain America. You got Steve Rogers, you got Steve Rogers, you got Steve the dog. (laughs) (laughs) You got Carol Danvers, who's in like a Hulkbuster outfit. Mm -hmm. Um, You got Thor, God of Fists, my favorite. You got Star Panther, who is just so powerful and awesome. You got Tony Stark Ant-Man, and you got the return of Moon Knight and Vision from the very first arc, which is really cool. And basically, the bad guys are just throwing everything at the tower for Avenger Prime, uh, including, what do they call them? Uh, The Charge of the Mephistos. (laughs) And, like, the Stonewall Brigade and all this stuff, all these villains that they've been facing. And who's there to stop them but this army? And there's this great moment where there's these guys in a trench, and they're like, they're just waiting, and they so engaging on my mark. Three, two, one, and you just see all these shields come flying out and just start taking people Ooh. out, which is dope as hell. And then uh, you find out that Sharon Carter, Captain Carter, is the one commanding them, and she refers to them as the Howling Commandos. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so they fight. They're starting to get tore up from from air, and they're like, "We need air support." And it's like, "Okay." Oh, I love this part. They're getting shot from the air, and all the shields are turned upwards to block. Oh, you get a good look at all the shields. Such mm-hmm. a cool idea. Like air support. It's like, yeah, we got it. Here comes Carol nice. Danvers in a fucking Iron Man suit, and uh, the Carol Corps is the Air Air Force, basically. Then they, this is my favorite part. It's in this giant fucking demon, right? <laughs> and he's he's running forward. He's about to kill everybody. He's going for the Carol Carrier, which is their name for the Helicarrier, which is amazing. <laughs> nice. Um. And then he he hears somebody, hey, you up there. Cuts down to Thor, God of Fists. He's like, hey, this is where you fall. He goes, oh, what are you thinking down from from there, little man? He's like, I'm not a man. I am a god. The God of Fists. (laughs) Just just drops him in one punch. Drops this giant demon in one punch. Amazing. Then we get this awesome shot of Star Panther tearing up a bunch of demons, too. That is so fucking sick. Yeah, uh, Star Panther. Uh, honestly, I didn't p- pay enough attention to originally, but yeah, it's just this big battle and um, Ant Man, Vision, and um, Moon Knight. They kind of do like this undercover thing to try to stop it. Moon Knight apparently sacrifices herself. Uh, the team is about to get wiped out. That's left by these demons when there's suddenly a bunch of fire that wipes out everybody all the bad guys and there's a voice hey down there what are you guys doing hiding below when the party's up top (laughs) come on up mephistos old man phoenix and a few of his words friends would like to have a word old man phoenix with fire claws this is an old man logan who became the phoenix what the fuck Oh yes. my god. And standing behind him are Thor's granddaughters. <laughs> I'm this is insane, dude. I'm I'm loving this crossover because it's just insanity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to accomplish anything. That's what I love <laughs> about it. It's not up its own ass, which I really enjoy. <laughs> so okay. Next up, strange number nine. I got this variant because I love it. Oh, that is a good one. I yeah. just ah, they're just they're so beautiful together. And it's like if they, I, if they can't touch each other in the book, at least they have the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, 
written by Jed McKay, who is might be my favorite comic book writer right now, especially <laughs> especially in the big two. I think he's my favorite comic book he's writer. Really, he's been fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, written by Jed McKay, penciled by Marcelo Ferreira, inked by Roberto Poggi, colored by uh, Hava Tartaglia, and lettered by Corey Petit. And we get this whole setup of, you know, again, it's from Clea's point of view, and she knows that Steven is the Harvestman, and they can't touch, but they have, they're working together. And it's really cool, and they're going after the the leader of Wand, the no the no guy or whatever uh, he's called, and it's just really interesting. And there's some really awesome, gruesome moments in this too, mm-hmm. like this shit right here, where he just cuts him in half. Yes, like I was like, "Fucking hell, Steven, geez, calm down." Um, but yeah, it's really cool. It led up to, or it's leading up to this awesome kind of confrontation with the director of Wand, and he reveals their ultimate. None, thank you. Yeah, um, he reveals their their ultimate warrior, the a reincarnated body of the century. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, if you think back to what, what was it? Um, was it Devil's Reign? Yeah, mm-hmm. or was it beforehand where they had to get? No, no, it was it was um, what was the uh, null crossover? Oh, uh, King in Black. Yeah, in the King in Black Thunderbolts book, remember they had to recover the body of the Sentry. Yep. I just love the fact that they're keeping the Sentry around just as a dead body, but <laughs> he's so powerful they have to account for him at all times, and I love that. So yeah, we have the Sentry back as a zombie, Revenant Prime, possessed of the power of one hundred million insane ghosts, <laughs> which is the craziest thing I've ever read on the show. A <laughs> hundred, like insane ghosts <laughs> like, <laughs> i love it it's insanity i think there's only one issue of this left it does say conclude i think before it resets over for to strange yeah dr strange yeah so but she'll be around in dr strange from what i've got yes so. uh and also jed's sticking around thank god yes so um yeah i loved it what do you think um i do love this uh fight coming up like the century powered up by a hundred million insane ghosts instead of sons um, what better fucking team than, than both badass fucking Sorcerer Supremes, or at least the Harvest Man and the Sorcerer Supreme? Like that's gonna be such a sick fight. Uh, we need to fucking highlight that Clea met Moon Knight and she fucking loved him. <laughs> and Moon Knight's a yes. deer. I'm sorry, Moon Knight's a fucking what? <laughs> I love. And that then, too. and then when they wanted to kill the people, I was like, Moon Knight would have let me. <laughs> Moon Knight because it's also Jack McKay's fucking book. I just I fucking love him so much. <laughs> He's great. <sighs> Next up. Namor the Submariner Conquered Shores Part 3. Mm-hmm. I got... Oh, tell me. Yes! <laughs> we both got the Peach Momoko cover, everybody. It's such a good one. It's a fucking good one. He looks sexy as hell. Like, he actually looks like a swimmer. <laughs> like, he's got a body of a swimmer. Yeah. Like, yeah. fit, but like a swimmer. So long, yeah. Written by Christopher Cantwell. Art by Pascal Ferry. Colored by Matt Hollingsworth. And lettered by Joe Carr Magna. Um, yeah, this is really interesting and it sets up some stuff that maybe the struggle isn't what we think it is. And maybe there's something working behind the scenes that Namor is not aware of. And it's going to lead to some really complicated, um, decisions he's going to have to make, I think, which is really interesting. I think that's a, a great way to take it yeah. because he, you know, he's, He's so sure, you know what I mean? And if it's what I think it is, 
this is only happening because he stepped down. Right. So he's going to have to accept responsibility for it. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I, yeah, fuck it. We'll talk about it. They, they, find, they find a habitat of humanity in Latveria who are still having babies normally. So the question is, is this, it's not the atmosphere or whatever that fucked that up. Something is sterilizing all of humanity that they're aware of. They're not aware mm-hmm. of these, so they haven't sterilized them. And who would that benefit the most? Probably Atlantis. Yeah. But Namor has no idea about it. So I think that's really interesting. And it also kind of like reemphasizes it because at the end we get the human torch to show up, which by the way, love the design. I love the big beard. I thought mm-hmm. it was a really cool idea. Flamey beard is good. Yeah. So if he's there to talk, it's, he's not the one behind it. Essentially. It's what yeah. I'm thinking. So <laughs> I has th- he been like kind of doing the rounds and purifying the fucking thing? Maybe, but they're all talking about the robot revolution, but also machine man is crazy. They make a point <laughs> of that in this. <laughs> like, I, which I, is crazy. Machine <laughs> man is crazy. <laughs> it should be crazy, man. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Um, really good. I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, what do you think? I just, uh, the part, it's, it's, it was really good. Like, yeah, the whole, the reason revelations are, are awesome, but the one reveal that made me think about, uh, again, like backstory stuff, where it just makes me think about more of like the lore, like into the book was going back to the last issue. And when he's at the Baxter building, reminiscing about the time with Sue, Sue, I think she really leaned more on like, she wanted Namor beside him because Reed didn't go. Reed was fucking dead already. The way they the way they said that Doom and Reed died by assassins, and then they went to space. Yeah, she didn't want to go alone. That's yeah. That was that, that, that's a whole different angle on that scene. Going back to that scene, right? Like, oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Very good book. All right, next up, Wakanda number three, my boy. Nice. Uh, this is a Killmonger flashback tale, Ooh. written by Hochi Anderson, pencil by Sean Hill, uh, inks by LeBeau Underwood, Keith Champagne, and Walden Wong, colors by Andrew Dawhouse, letter by Joe Sabino. There's also the History of the Black Panthers chapter three, written by Evan Narcisse, art by Natasha Bustos, and colored by Jordi Belair. I'm going to tell you almost nothing about this story. Because, oh, what? Because I want the audience to read it. Oh fuck! Well, uh, I don't have to get it. <laughs> it's it's flashes back to the childhood of Killmonger, mm-hmm. and it's the six one six version, where his parents are killed mm-hmm. in uh, when someone tries to invade Wakanda. Basically, they're killed, and he's left alone. And Claw takes him and recruits him as a, basically a child soldier. Mm-hmm. This is the story of Claw and these other child soldiers he's recruited, <sighs> and just the cruelest ass shit that claw pulls which is basically like long story short there's a um they're climbing a mountain the whole story is about climbing a mountain and they're all trying to climb this really dangerous mountain and on top of it is a plant that grows some fruit and he just wants that fruit it's like a miracle fruit essentially Mm -hmm. and there's i didn't count how many kids actually uh one two three four five six seven eight there's eight of these kids that he has and Kilmonger's one of them and they're climbing the mountain and like one of them dies on the first day and they're like why did he die like his rope snapped or something and they're like let's see the rope and it's just like it's kind of like this whole thing and you find out that claw is testing all these children against each other Mm. 
And he told each of them that one of the others has to die. And he, each like an intricate web of who needs to kill who. So each person is needing to kill somebody, but also someone needs to kill them, but they don't know that part, of course. Yeah. And so this entire way up, it's just battle royale up the side of a mountain. <laughs> and it's really good and it's really heartbreaking and obviously not many of them make it to the summit i'll yeah. just say that um i really liked it and it's, it just really highlights claws just this awful fucking human being <laughs> like just yeah. just terrible and um it's really really good um and then the history of the black panthers it's again it's only a two-page spread honestly i just wish they'd save up these history of the black panthers and do them as a book i would really enjoy that so <laughs> But yeah, really good. I don't want to get too much into the who did what, who, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm it's curious. really good. The drama of it's really good. So, but that does tie us directly into Black Panther number twelve. Guess what? Peach Momoko. I really thought about it, but it's like these Alex Ross covers are so good. Him being kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Written by John Ridley, art by Herman Peralta, color by Ceci de la Cruz, and letter by Joe Sabino. So, uh, <laughs> T'Challa finds out that Jai did this all for him, and he's like. I didn't want you to <laughs> like yep. Jai beats the shit out of him, tries to kill him, but a no, no name minor is like, remember me, sir, I'm going to save you. And he's like, I don't remember you. And he's like, yeah, you went to that mine that one time. And I was one of the hundred people in line. You looked right at me. And it's just like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like the, it's such a statement of like the life of a King. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just really interesting. And then he's like, you know, um, come with me and the guy's like no i can't i'm a traitor no no one ever forgives a traitor and then he fucking shoots himself in the head and i'm like we're in for a ride (laughs) uh black panther's kicked out of the avengers essentially so he's like fine i was about to make a futurama reference fine i'll make my own avengers with hookers and blackjack (laughs) like so he um he's like yo let's make our own avengers and he recruits shuri Mm-hmm. Obviously, he recruits Gentle. Love me some Gentle. Ooh, that was an even though he, complete, he completely ruined Gentle's life. <laughs> and then my MVP, my rookie of the year, <laughs> Buffalo Soldier, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I remember thinking, "There's no fucking way this character ever comes back." <laughs> One issue later, he's back. And I'm like, you know what? I might love this character now. <laughs> like, I really even might. down to even it, it almost breaks the fourth wall when he says, like, as Buffalo Soldier, I need to be careful about the choices I make after throwing it with uh, with the likes of the Colonialists. Like, are you fucking kidding me? This is gold. <laughs> and then we get to see the uh, the emancipated exes, and they're the highlight of this book. Oh, they're so great <laughs> because no one get or Sherry can't get her translator to figure out their language, and they're just horribly violent people and i love it but they come up as really cheery like literally i'm not saying cheerleaders yeah. but they're just super happy that they're gonna go out and they get to like maul a different person just like they did with the colonialist <laughs> yeah exactly like like if you uh, if laura wolverine was like the attitude of jubilee <laughs> like, like that's Wait, basically before, before we switch scenes here uh it leaves with one of them screaming death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people <laughs> fuck yeah girl if i could say it the same way i would absolutely say it the same way <laughs> yeah 
And then the next one, of course, is Tosin. Give me more Tosin. All yes. the Tosin. <laughs> like walking around with his open shirt, all sexy, like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> He's trying to tempt Shuri. And then he recruits, of all people, Omolola, which was very interesting. Because obviously she was in love with Jai and he faked his death. And I love the bit where she's like, you know, I, t- I told you before I want to be the one to take the head of the person who killed Jai. And since he killed himself, <laughs> like yep. I'm like, yes. So they're going to split up and this makeshift Avengers team is going to take out all, all the different locations at once. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. I mean, <laughs> Buffalo Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. Um, a lot of fun. I, I think that's going to be a really great um, uh, fight next. And I'm really curious to see what Jai says because, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. There's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Like, I think there's more to the story. Oh, there's always something more to it here. It's been such yeah. a good fucking series so far. Yeah. So, what do you think? Anything you want to add? Uh, just, again, highlighting the the Emancipated Wives when, like, the, their, like their last uh, bit. And then Sherry's like, I feel so much better if I knew what they were saying. It's almost like she's <laughs> catching on to their malice. <laughs> um, I, I'm really excited for like, for, the, for this team. Like, that, that gentle conversation was probably the most intense one. Like, that's the one that he oh, really yeah. needed to turn around. He's like, yeah, I ruined my life to help you, T'Challa, and you fucking and you fucked me, dude. Like, like, I had a good yeah. thing here. Like, the fact that he says, like, I can't even look at Storm in the eyes because I can't, I can't face that mercy. Like, the fact that he had put it that way, like, bro. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> All right, next up, we are going to crawl into the dark web. <laughs> yes, for a three-issue run, we're going to start because I'm going by the order in the checklist. Uh huh. We're starting with Dark, Way, Dark Web, Mary Jane, Black Cat, yes. and I got the Peach Momoko cover. I didn't see that one. Oh, my God. I need to go back for that. Yeah. It's really good. I would have gotten that. So, written by MVP, Jed McKay, art by Vicenzo Caruta, colored by Brian Reaver, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So, we're following up on the one shot that we got uh, prior with Mary Jane and Black Cat. That was really good. <laughs> and so... They're like, fuck, let's give them a mini, a mini, basically. And it's Black Cat trying to make it through, you know, New York during the Inferno Dark Web. And every, <laughs> Inferno 2, yeah. And basically, Peter's like, or no, did he ask her? I can't remember. Or did she just say, I'm just going to go check in on her? No, he, he does ask her to go check on her. Okay, I wasn't sure if he asked her. So she goes to check on Mary Jane. And Mary Jane has superpowers. She's It looks like telekinesis at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like some strength-based stuff. And you're like, what? <laughs> and yeah, basically she's fighting uh, these bat- these demonic things and Black Hat's like, well, I was here to save you, but <laughs> like, I think you got it. And then another monster shows up, swallows Mary Jane. Um, and yeah, they basically have to team up. And then the cool thing is, and this is when I first got the tingle, Josue. <laughs> she's like, okay, I got to calm down. Got to spin for a new power. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I just got a big smile on my face. Reach out, feel the power, feel the energy, and then grab it and pull. And then there's literally a fucking slot machine thing over her head. Let's see what fabulous prize we've won. And she's like, fire and like like she yeah she basically has fire wings and fire control a dope ass sword which is a really cool design by the way it is almost Um, like a valkyrie sword but it's like yeah it's it's just awesome 
Yeah. So they fight the demon, and then, yeah, again, she's just like, Felicia's like, what's with the powers? And she's just like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> also, she's like, oh, it's Ben Riley, by the way. And Mary Jane's like, fuck Ben, really? <laughs> again? So they're going to work together, and Black Cat's trying not to be like, hey, I'm kind of dating Peter again. Like, she doesn't know how to say it. But they get sucked to limbo, so that solves the problem. And then I absolutely love this line where they're in limbo and one of the demons says, only question is why we keep getting Earth Girls dumped on us, putting everything topsy-turvy. And I remember that happened in X-Men and it's going to happen in Miss Marvel and it happened in this one. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. But they're like, we're going to take, the, take out these demons. And she's like, "Gotta get, just got to take a spin. And she gets oh, cherry skull and three bars and she becomes the form of pudding and control over pudding. And I'm, <laughs> now... I'm not going to lie. Like 10 years ago, Amanda will back me up on this. We used to write on a message board. This is going to be a short story, I promise. Mm -hmm. Where they had this whole thing with elemental power control, but only one person per element. And all six elements they recognized were were already dibs. And I was writing a fictional, like, fun character, funny character. Yeah. And I made a joke because they would be like Firemancer, Watermancer, you know. Oh, yeah. Lightningmancer. I swear to God. I said, Pudding Mancer. <laughs> he would have the control over pudding and only pudding. And everybody laughed, but we're like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. And then I read this. It's like, I have the form of in control over pudding. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, You're ahead sorry. of the time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Um, she still is pretty competent as the Pudding Mancer. And uh, yeah, they're fighting. And then, of course, they run into Belasco, which is really <sighs> interesting because I was wondering how he was going to tie into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then, then I hate that he's the- wearing a skin suit over him, like a skin sweater. It bothers he, me so much. He looks like that Robbie Williams video. If he took the skin he ripped off and oh god, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fucked up. So, and then we get the backup story. Please tell me you read the backup. <laughs> yeah, of course story. I did. <laughs> Where Black Cat steals Doctor Doom's mask and goes through this whole time travel adventure makes out with all the boys and all the girls and it's great and i love it and then it, we reveal she's actually trying to put it up as stake in a in a poker game <laughs> wait but this table is awesome yeah because that's puck yes that's ben graham of course i'm pretty sure that's jessica jones i, w- I want to say it's black widow because this red oh, red ass hair might be. yeah i'm colorblind who's the other guy though i, I want to say it's john lockley or lockley from moon knight one of the one of the personalities that makes a lot of so sense. So it's a great so. fucking table. And then uh, Natasha or whoever it is, like flips the mask around and says, this is, it's made in Mexico. And then Felicia, th- that's a funny joke alone, but Felicia not missing a beat elevates it with, wow, Doom outsource? <laughs> <laughs> she is the best. And it's like, that's a real vulnerability. You hear she get up. <laughs> I love her so much. She is the best. Jed McKay right? Black, Black Cat forever. I don't care. Um, yeah, it was great. What'd you think? Um, I'm just so happy that they're back together. The, this, the, the first, that one shot that, that tie-in was just literally too good to be just a tie-in. I'm so glad we have, we have a mini over it. And then we have this looming conversation. <laughs> the dump ass joke. Remember that? Yeah, it was, it was great. I literally had to highlight it today and I, uh, until it just said to you. Um, but, um, um, I love that we had this looming conversation. Like the whole time Blackhead's kind of like, fuck, last time I talked to her, we talked about that. I wasn't interested in Peter, so I, so I wasn't trying to come in, but now it's literally fucking turned around. So it's like, ah, uh, 
as it was Mary Jane, did she get those powers in that fucking incident that happened, which is why they fucking had to split, which is why she doesn't want to tell Peter about the powers. Paul knows. She's like, straight up, like, not missing a beat. Of course, Paul knows. Like, not who I was talking about, babe. And it's like, no, I don't want to tell him. It's like, why? What happened? The children is still a question for me. They're probably his children. But they call her mom, and it hasn't been that long. <laughs> no, but I mean, the kids are sweet. <laughs> what if it's her power? What if she... Here's Ooh, my thing, get the right? fuck out. No. Here's my thing, right? Um, they do, obviously, they, they lean hella MJ Peter looking, but... These powers seem a little familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, she's it's like almost like a psychic power, but it's strength-based. Yeah. And she gets tired immediately afterwards. That's Molly from The Runaways. Yeah. The fire could be any number of fire people. It gave me Phoenix vibes with kind of Valkyrie stuff, yeah. The pudding, I mean, that could be a joke character. And she has, she talks about she has to find the energy and pull it to her. Like she has to what be if familiar. she's taking people's powers temporarily? Oh, if, if she's really blipping like powers out in the moments of from others, <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. And what if she stole Wanda's powers and mm. made babies? <laughs> <laughs> just throw that out there that's a long shot but i love the idea just yeah so all right next dark web dark web miss marvel uh i got the a cover of course yeah written by sabir Prezada, art by francesco mortorino color by proto bunkers dona sanchez alamara and letter by ariana mayer this comic contains the craziest thing i've ever seen in a marvel book i wasn't sure this was what happened because I was like, surely they didn't do this. So we'll get into it. Miss Marvel dealing with the dark dark web and everything going on. Um, <laughs> so it's her and her family, and they're handling it. And we know that st- like these non-living objects are being brought to life by the dark web. And I just... <laughs> oh, I should mention... Kamala is struggling with the fact that she is working for Norman Osborn and people are reacting to it in different ways. And that, which I think mm-hmm. is really interesting because you and me were kind of like, are we just not going to address this? Yeah. Like, so, but one of the things that comes to life is her mosque. Now, <laughs> God, the choice to have a mosque come to life as a monster is a very interesting political choice on Marvel's part. When they're already making a point about like be, uh, just like having to run with the Christmas lights already on the mosque because somebody forgot to. It's like, well, I love that joke. Actually, I really like it. It, it is a good <laughs> one, but it's like, but we're adding now the monster bit to it all. I was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. I mean, it could end differently. We'll see. So, um, but then the the again, it ends with Kamala getting dropped in limbo. So everybody's in limbo. <laughs> so uh, I I really like it. Um, I think this is the writer's first chance to write Kamala. I mm-hmm. think they nailed the the tone perfectly. I like the art. Um, yeah, just really well done. I like the the extended Miss Marvel family. Yes, not just her family, but the other characters. Yes, I really like like Bruno and stuff. I think they nailed all that perfectly. So, um, what do you think? Uh, that, that, that's what I was. That's what I was uh, uh, curious about too, because it's it's really not. It's, it's not only just Kamala in in, in her Miss Marvel book. Her extended cast, like, are, are also plays such a pivotal uh, part to their book. So the fact that everybody got to like say something and they felt familiar, like they're still like the same uh, as as we knew them. So obviously, just a little older, especially Bruno. Um, it felt comforting. It felt like actual like going like, opening go, opening and going back to where I left off with uh, with 
Kamala. It was awesome. Like the whole the whole date situation where it's just like, is it because of our religions? It's like that I found funny too. Or like the the guy asking if he was it was if it was because he was Hindu and her Muslim. And it's like, and I love that it was like her as Miss Marvel having to explain. It's like, bro, just back the fuck up. Just chill <laughs> yeah. the fuck up. It's cool. I went from cheering for that guy to being like, man, you, no. <laughs> like, I was like, no, bro, too much. Um, I like Nakia especially. Yes. Um, I, I really liked her in this because I really liked her in the show. I thought she was great. Oh, she's awesome in the show. So her, I think her, Bruno, and Kamala in the show were the best parts of the show. Oh, yeah. So. Awesome. All right. And then our final Dark Web book, Dark Web Gold Goblin number two. <laughs> Written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Alan Medina, colored by Antonio Fabella, and letter by Joe Sabino. This is a mindfuck. I mean, it takes place in Norman Osborn's head, so of course it <laughs> yes. is. Um, and just about what he is going through and his headspace. And we get to see Queen Goblin again. Yes, and I called it! You did. You did call it the real identity, which I thought was great. Um, and we get we find out what made her her. And I thought that was really interesting because you're the one who read that arc when mm-hmm. he lost his sins. Yeah. I didn't read that. Um, but you told me about it enough that I got the gist. And I like the whole, where do you think your sins went? Mm-hmm. And we find out that's what created Queen Goblin. And I'm like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> like, like, that's ominous as hell. That character, mm, we'll see. Um, but I really enjoyed the story. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I like the touches with, like Liz and stuff. Norman struggling with the family thing. We see the tease of Normie because we already know what happens to Normie because we got spoiled by the solicitations. <laughs> but, um, and we get a lot of jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting. Glider versus glider probably, but we'll see. Because he's, last time we saw Jack Lantern, if I'm not mistaken, unless he was in the Sinister 60, whatever the fuck that was, Sinister War, um, was that story with Ghost Rider when he was in hell. Mm-hmm. So, but there's usually like two, three different Jack Lanterns roaming around. That's true. That's true. I think that was one of the, like the second or third ones. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, really interesting. I, I Again, it's a mindfuck. It's just we're in Norman's head, and Norman's head is a very dangerous place to be. Um, so I really liked it. What do you think? I, I, I am worried about Norman's brain as well, because like, like, like I said, I've, I've been wondering how they're going to be playing Norman. Eventually, maybe we'll see Green Goblin again. Like, you'll, you'll maybe have to turn around. And it's like... And now I'm seeing like fuck. It would make so much sense if he just scrambled his own memories. Like it's it's like, bro, you're you're wanting to redeem yourself, but it's like you have to carry that fucking weight. Like that's why it's all happening. You have to atone for your own sins. Why do you think like Peter? How do you think Peter Parker is able to do it? He has to just wake up every day and put one foot in front of the other every single day, not by fucking erasing. If anything, that's the whole point about Dark Web right now is because Ben Riley lost his memories, <laughs> but of course he thinks he can do it better. Um, and and then and I like that. And here is where we get the the Queen Goblin uh, reveal. And it's like I'm so happy I fucking called it with the with the Doctor. Uh, but um, even how Norman calls it, it's like for a second he's confused. I'm like, wait, what the fuck does she have to do with Inferno two? And it's like she doesn't. She's completely super random about about all this. It's just like her, the only thing that she's relevant is like her name flip against like the Goblin Queen. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really it's going to be really interesting and. I'm wondering if this is a 
situation where Norman's going to have to make a heroic sacrifice and take his sins back. Or that too. Or that too. Which would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to embrace the fact he's going to... But even then, like, even that with that mentality, like, embracing those sins again, like, would that, like, will he then, like, actually try to fight to just, like, not to, like, to hone down his, like, to hold down his, like, homicidal, like, tendencies, but then, like, yeah. to actually live with those guilt, to live with those sins, and then try to be better? Yeah, it's it's an interesting, compelling story. I really like it, so. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we're going to Krakoa. Yes! Wolverine oh, no. 28. Oh, no. <laughs> I got this one. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, yeah. Wolverine, no! <sighs> Fucking... Jesus, so fucked. (laughs) Piece of shit. Written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Juan Jose Rip, colored by Frank D'Armada, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, Yeah, so we just get more of this X-Force arc, which is Wolverine is an an animal that Beast is controlling and throwing at people. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. He sends them on a mission, and Wolvie takes off before he can deactivate the security system. Which leads to Wolvie being on, you know, security footage killing a general. And that's going to turn the entire world against Krakoa. And Beast is just like, basically, like, oh, bother. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem really super bothered by it. Like, and the entire time, Krakoa, the island itself, mm. doesn't seem to be liking what Beast is doing because it's, it's, Wolverine is being held within Krakoa, but he keeps giving him little, peeks outside like he wants him to see things and or and he lets him outside for a while where he saves a little kid speaking of which i don't know about the one that actually he saves mm-hmm. but the others i think are beaks kids oh, okay i mean it makes sense for, like the middle one yeah and then like yeah well, like well an angel has the wings yeah butterfly wings or she, well she has yeah butterfly i think and then the other one kind of looks like a plucked chicken so <laughs> i was like yeah um but yeah, Wolverine still does the right thing, even though he's mindless. I thought that was a cool story. Yes. And then it ends with a really gruesome scene of Wolverine <laughs> eviscerating himself, which is fucked. And we're just building more and more to the beast being the worst person on the planet. <laughs> so really interesting. What do you think? Uh, it's just, it's so brutal. It's just, it's so messed up. Cause like, how is no one doing anything about this? <laughs> um, but then, like at, at the end, like after he saves like the kid, and, and saves a kid, but at the same time, like it's so brutal how he how he saves her by like by the hair. It's just, like, he still has yeah. no control. Uh, but then, like his like nonsense, innocent, honest thoughts that he has afterwards, then unsheathing the claws, and it's like, oh, then Krakoa has no other choice but but to just lower him down. That's not fair. That's not fair for Logan. Even then, even like God, the 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 info page. Between Hope and right. and Hank, we're just like, what the fuck do you mean he's not coming to the moon? And it's like, oh no, he's busy. Don't worry, don't fucking worry about it. And it's like, even he's being missed back at the fucking home home that he has at the moon with everybody. Oh god, like the fact that he's been having that bond build like like behind the scenes, and it's like that info page like meant a lot. So it's like, poor guy right now. It's just like and nobody's doing anything. <laughs> I just imagine Gene. In her bedroom, looking over at the white door, and she knock. walks over to the left, knocks on the door, and no one answers. She goes to the right, <laughs> knocks on the door instead. And Scott's like, "Hey, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, I was, I was looking for you. <laughs> like, 
you were definitely the first person I was looking for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> so good. Speaking of so good, Sabretooth and the Exiles number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk, color by Rain Burrito, and letter by Corey Petit. Uh, so yeah, we get to see this team. Uh, they've freed Sabretooth and another team up with them. They're kind of picking up on the fact that his healing factor isn't really working as it should. Um, because of the thing that the doctor put inside of him. And I thought this was going a certain direction where this doctor was going to be like the big bad. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's going to be around the whole run. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we find out that Orphan Maker can only... Or the only way a suit can come off is if he chooses to take it off. And she talks to him and he's like, you know, you're going to do what you want to do. And just tricks him. It's like, okay, I'm going to open up my suit. And then the big monster lady she made is literally running in terror. She's like, out of the way. She's like, no, fuck you. I don't want to fight. <laughs> She's like, like this dude. And then we see Orphan Maker with his fucking head about to explode. And he basically, we know his power level is apocalyptic. Basically, it would destroy the planet <laughs> if it gets out. So they do my favorite thing, which we've been seeing in Marauders a lot, which is they're just like, well, we need more time. Let's go to the astral plane or... <laughs> Let's have Somnus take us to the dreamscape or let's have tempo freeze time. Or I love that. And then we have a huddle. <laughs> like, I love that shit. That's kind of where we ended up. I'm really liking third eye. I think he's becoming like an MVP in this group. Yeah. And he's definitely a character that I think they should use after this run. Oh, for sure. Something like if like, anybody can uh, have a good a re- a redemption shot, like outside the pit, like, yeah, maybe put him in Legion of X. Ooh. Imagine like his powers mixing with the whole, like, the yeah. the mindscape and stuff that'd be cool as hell yeah like, helping legion out oh hell yeah yeah that'd be really cool so anything you want to add about that book just just the part where like they're struggling to to pop open orphan maker and you just finally bust out well, that's because nanny decided this is my outfit and that's the only way i can i uh and only uh you can never take it off and it's like what the fuck you're awake the whole time oh yeah <laughs> and nanny told me not to talk to strangers <laughs> it's like i love that they're still that they never change <laughs> it's the best I love I love them so much, even though she's absolutely terrifying. She's the like, worst. if you go back and read the old Orphan Maker and Nanny stuff, she's <laughs> fucking horrifying. Really? Like, <laughs> like, and then now she, they're like joke characters that were like, yeah, <laughs> it's just really weird. <laughs> it's a weirder turn than and then Apocalypse becoming an X Men. <laughs> like that was that was nice. less weird than this. So, all right, next up, finally, X Men Annual Number One. I did get the A cover, but okay. I did like the A cover, but I also, yeah, I knew you would. Cover. Yeah, I had to get it. It's the anime eyes. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. Da-da-da, written by Steve Fox, art by Andrea DeVito, colored by Sebastian Chang, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, this is a Firestar story, mm-hmm. and it does kind of basically, <laughs> it's kind of a letter to the fans be like, listen, we're telling a story. Let us tell the story. Stop being pissed because your fictional fave didn't win a fictional <laughs> uh, vote. Um, the first thing I'll say is I love the new outfit. I think it looks dope. It does look cool. Now, I like the the symbol. Uh, there's also an info page about it with Jumbo, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they bring back the Hellions, the original version of the Hellions, not the... <laughs> X-Men Academy Hellions. Yeah. Which which I really liked that as well. I, I've always had a weak spot for the Hellions. Mm-hmm. That was the early New Mutants was that was a big deal. Um, so that was really cool. Also, I just 
can we just talk about it? Because I don't think we've really actually talked about this. Blob's mustache. Oh, hell fantastic. yes. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. He's never really had facial hair until Krakoa. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to grow a mustache. <laughs> like, I'm going to try it out. I like one of the constant things since Hawksbox is the blob running the Green Lagoon. The fact that that's never changed is one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's great. Um, I want to talk about Iceman for a moment. This shot of Iceman. Oh, yeah. Uh, specifically because his costume, right? I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, the things over his shoulders, those could be like bandoliers, right? Sure. And he's got wrist things on. The symbol on his chest. Do you think that he just painted the X on his bare chest because he's not wearing a shirt. <laughs> like <Right>. that's his skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he might have a belt. He's got a little, a belt buckle too, but <laughs> like, I just, I just don't know why I hyper-focused on that. I'm like, what did he, I was like, did he turn himself to ice and just push it into his chest and leave it there? I'm like, what's happening here? He makes me it think of uh, the uh, invisible girl from uh, my hero academia. Cause she only wears like the boots and the gloves, but she's other, otherwise she's basically naked. That's kind of him right now. <laughs> I love that. Um. <laughs> so the X Men, they get a, they're basically meeting up. They're like, "Yo, what's our missions today?" And they list off a bunch of missions. And then one is a cancer ward, being like, "Yo, our drugs aren't aren't here," uh, from Krakoa. And they're all like, "Okay, we'll fight all these bad guys." And then Firestar is just like, "Yo, um, what about the cancer ward? That seems like the kind of thing we should actually handle." And Cyclops is a good point. And then he's like, team building exercise moment. So they're going to go off together and do that while the rest of the X-Men fight everything else. The fact that all the X-Men fights take place kind of off screen is hilarious, first of all, <laughs> because they're so powerful, we know they're going to win. Yeah. Um, and also, the return of one of my favorite Thor supporting villains, Bi Beast, which, <laughs> which Bobby's like, Bi Beast? It's like, Bobby. <laughs> like, I was just like, yes. Like, yeah, really great. They bring Harrower back, and they're like, oh, I thought we already took care of her, basically. And then I love Mojo. Mojo's actually calling them for help, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. And I like Havoc. is like, is that me as a toddler? <laughs> like, I love that joke. Um, there's also a bit about, like, uh, Firestar and Iceman relate, because maybe Spider-Man called. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like a time of two weeks for that one. Um <laughs> But yeah, basically they find out that Whirlwind is the one that stole the drugs. He already killed somebody. Um, they have to stop him. It's just, again, it's a team building exercise and it kind of just addresses why is Firestar here? And I think it did a, did a really, really good job. Um, I think it explained it very well. I think it... Um, I'm not the kind of person that hated Firestar being in the X-Men. I was just the person who was like, I wish it was Monet instead. Yeah. But I wasn't online being like, this is bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I was like, okay, whatever. And hey, maybe we'll get some cool story character stuff. And I like the idea of a person mostly known as Avenger being an X-Men because of the conflict. I liked that. Um, but it's usually this, kind of the way around where like, they had like, the, <laughs> the, um, the poster mutant over on the, for the Avengers instead. I liked her pointing that out. She actually was like, yeah, no one said anything when, you know, Beast and uh, Wolverine and havoc and she didn't even mention storm storm isn't storm was an uh, avenger too like i'm like yeah there was a bunch of x-men that were mutants or, or x-men that were avengers but they're gonna pick on her because she's not one of the crew you know what i mean i thought it was a cool story i really liked it um and it kind of it made me feel a little bit better about her being an x-men so i think it served its purpose um also all these other adventures i love the one in the park in in new york because miles morales shows up yes and they team up and we find out that everett can take non-mutant powers 
which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, they also make the crack about how he's much less annoying than Peter. So yeah, I get, like, I get that a lot. get that a lot. Thought that was great. But obviously, obviously the highlight of this issue is the fucking ex-baby zombies, which is amazing. <laughs> like, they're just terrifying looking. I wanted this to be the issue because I want to know this story. Like, yeah, great stuff. But yeah, they end up working together to stop Whirlwind. She actually saves the day herself and does a really good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was great. And she does. I like the resolution with the Hellions in the end because it wasn't like, oh, we're all friends now. It was just like, hey, I'm working on it. You know, like, I'm here. I'm trying my best. Let me try my best. Stop being a dick, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good way of establishing her in the fans' eyes as a legit mutant. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So... I thought it did a really good job. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, but in the end, I, I definitely enjoyed it, especially with like the, the that last line, like they're they're using like Avenger as a slur on her, but then at the end, like they're just like just like like scoffing away, but obviously like on her side, it's like don't prove it to me, prove it to yourself, X Man, is like yes, let's fucking go. Um, I always forget that Whirlwind is a mutant, so that conversation was really cool too. I was just thinking, I was just like an Iron Man villain, whatever, but he's a fucking mutant. I was it just it never fucking clicks for me. Um, I, I and, always forget that too. And then um, coming uh, coming more in terms with the with her powers, I didn't know is like that she basically got that she got cancer based on her own like like basically fired back on her on her own mutation on like the yeah. how the how the radiation like emits off of her body. She was like she doesn't have Im- her own immunity to it, almost like fucking Dobby from My, My Hero Academia again. But uh, um, that was interesting, and I, I just like I, I really like that. So it's like it gives. I didn't know she had like that that meaning that that Marvel flaw to her power. So they just it made it super interesting. And that the fact that she took it to Forge and it's like, yeah, we're gonna take that fucking hate pimpship off of your suit and give you some like good 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 or uh, a good old Krakoa organic suit, and thus we have that new one, which is actually super dope. Yeah, that's actually a really good story. If you guys ever want a good Firestar like tale, mm-hmm. that whole arc of her like her cancer stuff is really interesting because I love the idea of people not immune to their own powers. Yeah, like. Pyro. Pyro's not fireproof. Pyro can't even make fire. He just controls right. fire. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a there's a, a thing about that, too, in one of his stories, which is really interesting. Nice. So, yep. Alright, well, that's it. Anything else you've been reading? I did start Chainsaw Man, but that's it. I saw that. <laughs> I liked your tweet about it. Because it was <laughs> like, yes, I started. Yes, it's good. No, I will not be talking to you about it. No, <laughs> like, keep it to my chest. That's it. Literally. <laughs> Pun. Yeah. don't make me talk um, about chainsaw man that's it <laughs> <laughs> i um i have recently purchased two new D books um i picked Acquis- acquisitions incorporated which i didn't have before nice it's about running an adventuring party business and it's more of a humorous thing it's the penny arcade people to do the art okay and i love penny arcade so um i got it because the race i want to play my new character is in this book and only in this book Ooh. they're called the verdon and they're descended from goblins but oh, they're nice. good uh-huh and and i really like this one you can see their long ears they tie up well that's, so, uh, that's a cool little concept i didn't ah oh, so cool yeah i love that idea i'm probably going to do that with my character so i um, got that one and then i just got the dragon lance book which came out this week mm. and that is probably our next campaign because Liz is DMing our campaign. So I read the, I read the race stuff. I read the class stuff. I read like the character options, but I stopped because I'm like, I don't want to read anything. I don't want to spoil myself. So, <laughs> uh, I left that up to her, and now I'm antsy because I want to read it. So, oh, gotcha. Um, 
yeah, other than that, uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't read much because I'm going to say a secret, secret shame here. Um, so I told you how I finished the Jeanette McCurdy book, right? Yes. And I loved it. I thought she was, she's such a badass for putting up with everything that she did and the way she did it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really good. And I don't know if my internet like read what I did and is like, oh, you liked that? You should check this out. Uh, so on YouTube, I got recommended some videos by Quentin Reviews where it's like, oh, here's a, here's a movie or here's a, a video where he reviews iCarly. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I look and it's four hours and 45 minutes long. Oh, shit. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Fine. I watched the whole fucking thing, okay? It's very funny. He's a very funny dude. Uh, I get to the end, and he's only halfway through the series. He's <laughs> like, stay tuned for part two. And I'm like, oh, five shit. Hours. <laughs> part two is three hours and 35 minutes long. Damn. So if you're keeping track, that's eight hours, okay? Mm-hmm. Then he's like, I want to talk about Sam and Cat, which is the show that Sa- that goes to afterwards. Uh-huh. But he's like, but don't we have to talk about Victorious first? Because Ooh. that's the one that Ariana Grande came from. <laughs> so then he reviews Victorious for five hours and 34 minutes. Get the fuck out. But is only halfway through that show. So then he does eight hours and five minutes on the second half of Victorious. No. Then he finally goes to Sam and Cat, which is another five hours and seven minutes. I watched all of those this week, dude. <laughs> and it's very funny. Like I, I highly recommend it. Quentin reviews. Uh, each of them has at least 3 million views. So this is a popular thing. Goddamn. He also has one for Fred, but I don't like Fred. So fuck that shit. Um, so, um, Oh, like, Jesus Christ. He just, Oh my God, that was a dead memory. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. And he, he goes to this conspiracy theory about the NCU, the Nintendo, uh, Nintendo connected universe or something like that, mm-hmm. where all the shows from Nintendo are secretly like attached to each other. And it's really great. Cause it's like characters repeat from like, from like all that, like way back in the day. And like, it's just really interesting. So um, he also counts the amount of crimes that the kids from my Carly commit, which is really funny because they, he, he calls it. It's always sunny. If you don't get the joke, basically <laughs> the creators didn't get the joke of it's always sunny. So uh, it's really good. I, I liked I Carly so a lot. Right. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, they're, they don't they don't really care about anyone else and they do what they need to do to get theirs but like that's so that's true the joke. that's the joke and it's always sunny it's not the joke and i carly like it's just it's great it's fantastic and he goes on these amazing tangents so again highly recommend this the one thing i'll highlight is during the victorious review there was there was a uh, social media on victorious called the slap.com where people went on there and posted videos and stuff in, in the story. And so they made a real one in the real world for the Victorious cast to post stuff on. And it has some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like the, some of the weirdest, most offensive shit deep down. Oh, like, and like, there's so much shit that reveals spoiler. The creator of iCarly and Victorious and other shows is a fucking disgusting human being. Yeah. So, it kind of revealed because there's a lot of videos of like, like the girl Victoria is like, Oh, this is my show where I take requests. And someone emailed, you know, uh, put ketchup on your bare feet and stuff like that. It's just like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. But the best one is there's a kid who does the sock puppet thing. 
And the idea is he's doing a sock puppet show and people walk in and see it happening. <laughs> and he's doing this one where he's, it's Abraham Lincoln and John Wilkes Booth talking in Ford's theater. And John Wilkes Booth is like, you're such a disappointing president. He's like, what's wrong? I tried my best. And he's like, no, you're a failure. You're a failure and a horrible president. And then the only black kid in Victorious walks in on this. What I'm the laughing fuck? my ass off. It's so funny. <laughs> like, like it's, just, it, it's just great. Watch it. It's fantastic. I'll curate some clips for people if they need me to. So, <laughs> like, but wonderful. Um, so I literally read nothing because I was watching that all the time. <laughs> like, but yeah. <sighs> With that in mind. Moving on to end our year. I want to go ahead and remind you guys to vote in the Remy's, our Remy's. end of the year award show. Um, our pinned tweet for both of our shows is the ballot. It is open until December 31st. Uh, so please vote. We will announce the uh, the award shows later on. I'm not going to be a super rush to get it done like on the 2nd of January or anything. We're going to get it done when we get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not like it's a pressing news thing. You know, it'll, We're going to make sure it looks good before we do it. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter then. So you can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. All those on Twitter, as well as this show at WHI Podcast and our other show, Jukebox Vertigo at Jukebox Vertigo. Um, those are on Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk is stepping down, but we know he's just going to put a yes man in his place, so it doesn't really matter. We'll see if Twitter exists next year. Um, our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, I mentioned, is our musical playlist building show. This is a show where we have special guests and our good friends, and we bring them on, and we build a playlist based around a specific category in each episode. Our most recent episode was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was was country music. And we had JD on there from Certain POV and had a blast. Um, JD is very much a country fan. And so we got to nerd out about country while Amanda and Josue just kind of like benignly listened to us basically yeah, I, I mean i just hosted I, I just did my thing i yeah. listened <laughs> it, it was it was really fun it, it was good to talk to somebody who appreciates country for what it is and someone who literally is on the same page as me with country literally referenced a very niche form of country right before i did which i thought was great so make sure to check that out um that episode will come out this monday the 26th uh monday morning it should be up later that evening at the moment our plan is to have the listening party that evening. If you have the day off because of the holiday, it's a great time to join us for a listening party. Mm-hmm. Josue will be on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue. He'll listen to all the songs. He'll probably play some Mario Kart, give his opinions. I'm very curious to see what he thinks about some of these songs because it is outside of his normal comfort zone. And I think there's some stuff that will surprise him. We'll see. So, uh, so make sure to check us out on all those locations. I don't think I missed anything. Just remember to vote in the Remy's on the pinned tweets for WHI Podcast and Jukebox Vertigo. Don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe, happy new year, and read more comics. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well... 
welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastic action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at certainpov.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts.